Hello, everybody. Welcome to It Was Tuesday. A brand new year, 2024, is starting for us. And of course, one of the traditions that we, uh, <laughs> I say we, as in uh, the old, the, the uh, Ultra Chen TV crew used to do was the Ultra Chen TV Awards uh, starting last year. I was doing it by myself. And so we're going to continue that tradition this year. As you can see, I've got a beautiful array of uh, awards over here. We're going to be going through these three at a time. So if you see these stories right here, keep an eye out on YouTube. Uh, more will be showing up. Uh, as the days go by. So let's just get started right away with the first category. And of course, the way that I always do this, I go backwards. So uh, basically, we're going to start with number three and then continue to number one, story of the years. All right, so number three, story of the year. This is actually kind of funny because for the past few years, I've had this going narrative in terms of story about rollback netcode. So the number three story of the year is rollback netcode is everywhere. I think four years ago, it was like the battle for rollback netcode continues. Then the next year is rollback is starting to win. And then the next year after that was rollback. All rollback does is win, win, win. And so this year, <laughs> it is rollback netcode is everywhere and this is such a huge story and such a powerful thing for the fighting game community uh, to get. Uh, I mean, this might be the last year <laughs> that I put rollback in terms of story of the year, but I mean, seriously, the fact that we have rollback in everything, you know, in betas for Sam Show, Grand Blue Fantasy Versus has it, Unist is getting it coming up, Dragon Ball Fighters will get it sometime in 2027, you know, uh, the fact that we have rollback now, I'm just kidding about the Dragon Ball thing, do not quote me on that, but the fact that we have this everywhere, I think is just so so special and it's something that we have to celebrate here in the fighting game community because with rollback netcode it has made fighting games so much more playable online and it has opened the doors for so many people it's not just that we get good games online and it's fun to play fighting games and it feels accurate but the thing about it is, you, you, you think about from a community standpoint, what Rollback Netcode actually does is that it, it, it allows players from every region to shine. We are starting to see wonderful players from all over the world playing fighting games and getting to show their stuff. Having good Rollback is so important for our community. And I'm so happy to see that Rollback is practically everywhere. And yes, as the chat says over here we're not quite done yet although we have gotten it on a bunch of old games now uh some old games still need it soul caliber 6 anybody huh ultra street fighter 4 anybody um i mean kelvin asks does it cost developers more time and money to do rollback if designed from the get-go when you create your game, it is not as bad. But if you are retrofitting it, it is very, very painful. In fact, you know, the Grand Blue devs have said that they've practically had to almost rewrite their 
core core game code uh, to encompass rollback netcode when going between Grand Blue Fantasy versus and then rising. So it is very difficult, but if you design it from the get-go, then it is a lot uh, simpler of a task. Uh, but there you go. Uh, honestly, rollback netcode, seeing where it is now, seeing how we have all thrived and benefited from it. It's just, it's so, so absolutely wonderful to see. And I'm really, really, really ecstatic that we're seeing rollback everywhere. And so we move on to the number two story of the year. And this one is actually kind of uh, uh, crazy here because I certainly thought that this would never happen. But we have a two-time Capcom Cup champion in Mena RD. I mean, that is absolutely just mind-blowing at this point. Like, you think about this and you're like, there are so many competitors for Street Fighter V that to have one person win multiple years is actually very, very difficult to do. And Mena RD was probably one of the least likely ones. The one that he, the first time that he won, nobody expected him to win. And heck, the second time he won, I don't think a lot of people were talking about Mena RD. They were talking about all these other players with the potential to win and Mena RD, just his consistency and his strength. And since he's won that, he has become one of the most consistent players. And basically he is, uh, just, he has been remaining as one of the best fighting game players on the planet. And as Anti-Mage in the chat says, not from Japan as well. And sure enough, I mean, they just won the Fav Cup too. The FAV Cup it was Mena, Kaba, and Knuckledew. Uh, we are starting to show what the parity is like and just how strong the rest of the world is becoming at fighting games. And to say that the potential greatest Street Fighter player in the world right now is coming from the Dominican Republic is absolutely crazy. And yeah, exactly, a very humble kid. I mean, yes, he has a cocky streak. You can't be that good without being cocky, okay? And But the, the way that he's been able to give back to not just his family, to not just his friends, but to his country, et cetera, et cetera, uh, it's really wonderful to see what Mena has been able to do and accomplish in this fighting game community. And you think about it, if it were not for the FGC, we would not have this kid being a worldwide name. He is so famous in his own country. He is a national hero. And, you know, uh, it's just, it's so wonderful to see this kind of thing. Again, one of the reasons why I do fighting game stuff is to give these opportunities to people who otherwise would never have an opportunity to be able to achieve something that it almost feels like they were destined to achieve. Even when he won Capcom Cup, his speech was about loving the game and loving the community and seeing new players come and, and seeing growth and stuff like that. It is, uh, it is, you know, just, he has such a good attitude and, and you know, he knows, he understands his own background as well. So to be able to see where this is all coming from is crazy, but you know, mainly just that, honestly, the fact that he won two Capcom Cups 
is crazy, dude. It's unprecedented. Like, you know, early on, we thought maybe someone like Tokido could do it. But as the years went, it just became so crazier and crazier. And if you ran the same Capcom Cup multiple times, you would have so many different winners every time because it's so hard to remain consistent, not because of the game, but because of the talent out there. I mean, again, you, you see, what is it, like 7,000 players at EVO, and then, you know, 925 players entering Capcom Cup Japan, uh, CPT Online Japan just this past weekend, et cetera, et cetera. The sheer volume of players out there makes it so that it's so hard to win even one. But to win two Capcom Cups now at this point is unprecedented and instantly put him in the conversation for one of the greatest fighting game players of all time. That's how much that win meant. That's how crazy that story was, is that the instant he won that, he became part of that conversation as one of the best of all time. And so finally, uh, we are going to go to the number one story of the year. And it's funny because I feel like this story has affected our scene so much and I don't think a lot of people understand just how much it affected us and how much it has changed our scene and that is one million dollars <laughs> like honestly honestly the effects and the ripple effects of one million dollars being offered by Capcom Cup which is actually all gonna come to, oh my God, it's happening next month. But honestly, like the fact that there is so much money going into Capcom Cup and uh, has really changed a lot of the way that we think about fighting games, how we approach fighting games and how people talk about fighting games. Like, obviously this is cool, right? Like we can talk about the aspects where I'm like, man, did I ever think we would ever be able to win a million dollars playing fighting games? Uh, or, you know, man, imagine what life-changing money this can do. Or, wow, fighting games have reached a point where... No, the thing about it is, though, is that, like I said, the ripple effects are everywhere because... The reason why I have this as the number one story is because it's not necessarily all great here because $1 million is really what changes the way that a lot of people perceive the game, right? You know, when you see something like the co-op cup for Third Strike, everyone's like, oh, look, you see character variety, et cetera, et cetera. And that's because, you know, why not use Remy? If you lose, you don't lose any money. If you win, you don't gain any money. Right? Like, it's like, you, you play for pride, you play for fun. Uh, it's, it's, it's different, right? But as soon as you put a million dollars on the table, it has affected how people talk about tears. It has affected how people approach the fighting game. And yes, it has caused a lot of the negativity that we see in Street Fighter VI online. You know, a lot of people talk about how people are always complaining. There was one time where the 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 the, the the topic of the week was, is everyone complaining about Street Fighter VI too much, et cetera, et cetera. And you know what? The, why is that happening? Is <laughs> because, you know, especially because a lot of people are saying, oh my God, the top players are complaining too much and whatever. It's because there's a million dollars on the line, dude. <laughs> like, this is, this is, this is like huge. This is not just, hey, I can win a million dollars. This is like, 
oh my God, I could win a million dollars. And if you legit have that chance to win the million dollars, that's gonna make everything that you lose to, every tier that's stronger than yours, every mistake that you make sting that much more. Like, I can't even, like, for all of us who are just like, wee, you know, we have no chance to win this. We're trying to enjoy the game. We're having fun. And then we see top players. I hate Perfect Perry. Uh, I hate Drive Rush. Uh, Luke is too strong. Uh, you know, like, you see all these things. There's a reason why it's happening. <laughs> There's a reason why it's happening. But, but, again, on the good side of everything, the amount of attention that this is given Street Fighter VI, the amount of you know people all of a sudden interested, and how many parties are really, really trying to see what you know happens with this event. It's all there now, and so this storyline, you know, for good and for you know for better or for worse, you know, has been affecting the way the FGC has been talking about fighting games, has been interacting with fighting games, even to the point where, you know, other scenes like the NRS scene, they're really sad about what the pro comp is doing. You know, they see a million dollars on Capcom side and they're like, what the heck, you know? And so this story has caused so much rippling throughout the fighting game community that it's hard not to put this as number one and uh someone in the chat asked think man has a high chance to win a third capcom gup to bring the money back to his crib you know <laughs> you know he's definitely at one of the uh the uh high points for this right now he's definitely one of the favorites um yeah, so Counterpoint, Capcom Cup system comes at the expense of other large tournaments and channels that used to be more involved in the point system to qualify. Yeah, Capcom Cup is giving a million at the set, but at the same time, the FGC writ at large may find it difficult to justify running these tournaments. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a whole different conversation, Initial D Volvo. Like, that's a whole different conversation. Um, and that has nothing to do with the million dollar storyline. That has more to do with the fact that netcode is actually good and we can run everything online. And online is a lot easier for the players, for the organizers, et cetera, et cetera. There's just a lot of advantages to online. So it really makes it very difficult for the offline events to thrive. Um, you know, I've had a whole episode on this about Capcom, you know, choosing to go for the off online route. And I mean, why wouldn't they? They can make money off of Twitch. It's easier to organize. There's less worry about travel, et cetera, et cetera, you know. And of course, it's going to go that way. But to fix that, that's what we as a community has to do is just to make sure that we continue to speak up and continue to promote offline uh, fighting game events and I mean, I've talked about it that I really feel like we need to go back to a point system. So, in any case, the million dollars, yeah, has changed everything about the way we treat fighting games. And I wish a lot more people would pay attention to that. I wish a lot more people would see it. Because a lot of the things that people are complaining about, you know, I love talking about that Keats interview about, you know, Killer Instinct, where people are like, Jago's uh, instinct is too strong, and then, you know... Keats went through it and was like, it's not too strong. The root cause is that the wind kick is too good. So I'll nerf the wind kick. 
And now nobody complains about the instinct, even though that wasn't changed, right? You have to find the root cause. And a lot of people, when they talk about, you know, why is everybody being so negative? Look at these tier charts, da 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 da. Why are there so many Lukes? How can this game be balanced? And, you know, the root cause of that really is a million dollars. <laughs> when, that, when you put that kind of money on the line, it changes your mentality, especially if you're a person who legit believes they have a chance to be able to win that. And while a lot of casual people are going to be like, you know what, any, like maybe only four people have a legit chance of winning that. That's not true. Like I said, you take the way Capcom Cup is run and you put it through some sort of simulator, you're going to come out with a different winner almost every single time. Like that tournament is up for grabs. You know, you, there's not a single player I would bet on over the field, let's just put it that way, even someone like Mena RD. The fact that a player like Kakeru has not even qualified for Capcom Cup just shows you how ridiculous the competition is for this game. But again, million dollars changes everything. And so that is my number one story of the year. <laughs> Yay! Uh, let's move on to the next topic over here. We're going to talk about Newcomer of the Year. Now, keep in mind, when we talk about Newcomer of the Year, uh, this is not just a player. This could be anything. <laughs> this could be anything, right? Any, any. It could be a person. It could be a game. It could be a character. It could be anything, right? And so, for me... Uh, I gotta tell you, man, this was brand new to the game this year, and I feel like I cannot play fighting games without it anymore, <laughs> and that is the frame meter. <laughs> Holy crap! This new, uh, I mean, one, they totally ripped this off from my spreadsheets, okay? So I will take full credit for the ex existence of the frame meter, okay? <laughs> That's right. Uh, trademark James Chen. No, I'm just kidding. But honestly, the frame meter has really, really uh, changed the way that I think people lab fighting games. Uh, honestly, like I've always said that there's a better way to present frame data than just putting numbers on the screen. When people were all yelling about that, you know, back in the day where they're like, you need to put numbers on the screen. And I was like, no, that's a terrible idea. And then people are like, you're stupid, James. And then the frame meter came out and I'm like, this is how you lab. And I can barely play any fighting game these days without it. So like when I sit there and I go try to lab other characters, I'm like, how does this work? What's my Oki? And I don't have a frame meter telling me everything. It's, it's absolutely, like I'm almost at a loss at how to train in fighting games these days without the frame meter. It's so, so, so important. Uh, so yeah, I, I have uh, the frame meter as number three right now. And uh, yeah, so much to the point where everybody's even been modding it in a grand blue modding scene has modded a frame meter into their game. A whole bunch of people are trying to mod these frame meters into the game because uh, it's just, it's, that's the way it is, man. Like that thing is so, so, so important. And uh, I know it's kind of a cheat here. 
but you know, I, I wanted to make sure I included as much as I could in here. So uh, for number two, for uh, newcomer of the year, I do have two things in here, uh, but that's just because I, I, there's no way for me to pick one over the other. But uh, I mean, I know Ending Walker really kind of started showing up on the scene a little bit last year. So it's hard for me to put Ending Walker on this. So that's why I had originally it was just Zen uh, and no Ending Walker. But I put Ending Walker here just kind of like as an honorable mention. I, I should have put him last year. I did not have Ending Walker on the newcomer of the year last year. And that was a big mistake on my part. So this is kind of a makeup, putting him over here, but also Zen. Uh, both of these two players, young players, finishing both in the top four, I think it was, at Capcom Cup this past year. Did they finish top three? Actually, now that I think about it, I think Zen was second to Mena RD, and I think third was Ending Walker, or fourth was Ending Walker, if I'm not mistaken. But to have them reach that point, and Ending Walker is just... I mean, continuing his reign of terror into Street Fighter VI, he managed to uh, qualify uh, from the uh, UK World Warrior scene with Ryu. Uh, so we have a Ryu in Capcom Cup! Can you believe this? So we got a Ryu in Capcom Cup, but again, I originally had Zen here because, I mean, literally coming out of nowhere. He showed up to the last chance qualifiers, and even he said... He had no belief that he could beat a lot of these players. His handle online is fake problem X, right? <laughs> he, he, he considered himself a lesser problem X and then at Capcom Cup defeated problem X in a bison mirror. And so Zen really came out of nowhere and he became a favorite as soon as he won the last chance qualifier beating all sorts of people i think he beat tokido he beat problem x like i mentioned and he just and and this always happens too because then the last chance qualifier is just feeling it and they're on a roll and he got all the way to grand finals of capcom cup and uh almost won that thing and 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 since then like, he, he got invited to Street Fighter League. Uh, he's been everywhere. People talk about Everybody knows his name now. And so uh, it was absolutely just wild to see him come out of nowhere. I mean, he's practically a household name in Street Fighter uh, competitive circles now. And literally, a lot of the China players are like, yeah, watch out for Zen, man. He's really good. And everybody's like, who is this guy? We've never heard of him. And then he just came out and started blowing everybody up. And so, you know, for me, Zen is truly uh, the, the, the second newcomer of the year. And of course, uh, the first number one newcomer of the year. I don't think anybody's going to be able to question this one. I don't think anyone's going to be surprised by this. But of course, it's uh, Street Fighter VI. <laughs> Honestly, you know, it's so funny, Bearberry Cheesecake. I almost put JP, parentheses, Street Fighter VI. Because JP showing up and just causing havoc amongst all Street Fighter players who have never fought a character like this in their life because they never went to play other games like anime games and such has been kind of hilarious to watch. 
but I, I have to give it to uh, all to Street Fighter Six because honestly, Street Fighter Six, I mean, it showed up. It's it. I mean, again, when it came out, the absolute honeymoon period was intense. It was ridiculous. The, the ridiculous. The amount of love the game was getting, the amount of praise, effusive praise it was getting. Uh, was incredible and it has brought so many players into the scene and as much as people you know might not like modern controls uh, you know or 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 things like that i mean it has allowed a lot of new people to play fighting games that haven't been able to play for uh, play before you know it, it's it's really introduced a lot of people to fighting games uh that have never been able to play fighting games and have that kind of joy uh uh, you know, it's fighting games are one of the hardest things to gain experience to 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 play and to get into. But I think you know, with the world tours, the battle hubs, you know, the modern controls, all these different you know ways to play the game, and all these uh, you know things to try to you know help beginners get into the game. I think is really 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 important uh you know honestly uh, uh anti-mage says only a only a great game would get that much hate no one would be talking about sf6 if it was bad <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh exactly i mean again the reason seven thousand entrance at evo right i mean just showing you how it is and yeah as Jalen says in the chat as well so much accessibility uh, you know, we talk about the audio accessibility that Blind Sven was able to use uh, when he was playing uh, at EVO. And we even got to see Blind Warrior Sven win a match on stream uh, against an opponent thanks to a lot of those accessibility options. And so, again, it's just really, really cool to see what they kind of did. And honestly, it's going to set the standard for so many other fighting games now. Every other fighting game has been put on notice now in terms of content and, you know, and again, we've been talking about this. You know, we've often said the reason why people don't include all these features is because there's no proof that it sells games. It's no proof that it actually helps players learn, et cetera, et cetera. We just need a game to be brave enough to try and prove it. And that was Street Fighter VI. And so now all the other fighting games are like, well, now we've got to add a bunch of stuff to it. And yeah, exactly like Stilfy says, right? Street Fighter VI isn't just a great fighting game. It's a great game. It's a great video game. And it's honestly the first time in a long time a fighting game has been a video game. You know, one of the reasons why Soul Calibur 1 and 2 got such effusive praise from magazines like Gamist Magazine, you know, I think Soul Calibur on the Dreamcast had the very first perfect 40 rating uh, from Gamist Magazine or something like that, is because there was so much other content, there was so much extra stuff in the game. And since then, we have basically had a dearth of content in fighting games. I mean, one of the reasons why Smash Brothers is always so fun is because there's so much content. And so Street Fighter VI adding that, helping people get into it, I think has been great. I think it's been really, really nice. And yeah, for sure, there's a lot of, uh, you know, other sides to it and the DLC prices, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, that's something to discuss uh, 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 in other categories, although I won't be getting to it, just as a hint. 
Uh, but again, you know, Street Fighter VI really changed the fighting game scene and has been the closest thing, I think, to Street Fighter II to be a pretty big phenomenon. Of course, that $1 million that I talked about earlier uh, helps. <laughs> but uh, that's uh, Street Fighter VI, definitely the newcomer of 2023, and I don't think many people can uh, debate that at this point. Uh, but for this first segment here of awards, I definitely want to close out on something big and something important. And that's, of course, event of the year. Uh, we have been having a lot of great events this year. And I just wanted to talk about the ones that stood out in particular to me. And so I'm always happy to present, you know, uh, event of the year. And uh, number three, I'm going to actually give the award to Capcom Cup 9. Uh, Capcom Cup 9 was an amazing event. It was run really, really well. From someone who was behind the scenes, it was it was such so well done. I mean, honestly, the the crew behind Capcom, the crew behind uh, you know the crew at Capcom, the crew at Blue Coast, uh, they did such a great job. They had a bunch of wonderful video packages. I loved doing the James Chen in a chair <laughs> segments and stuff. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, FAV Cup was this year, Chad Mode. FAV <laughs> Cup. If you're talking about the most recent one, that was this year, not 2023. Uh, but Capcom Cup 9 was really well done. And I still remember after it being over, I mean, it had a lot of hype. The venue was really cool. And, you know, uh, I just remember, you know, talking to everybody who was involved. I was like, dude, you guys did such a great job, you know, uh, you know, from Fontana to Jonathan to everybody, you know, to doing just all this work. I felt like it was just it was one of the smoothest run productions. It was really well handled. Uh, a lot of things were, you know, it, it, it was surprisingly run close to schedule, et cetera, et cetera. Capcom Cup 9. I just felt like was, you know, a great way to send off Street Fighter V. I mean, I don't think that there was a better way that we could have done it, honestly. Uh, I think it was uh, amazing. It was an amazing event. It was an amazing event to be a part of. It was an amazing event to watch. And then, of course, to cap it all off with the $1 million announcement was just a way to just make everybody go absolutely insane. And... I still am terrified that next, because they did say at that Capcom Cup that this was a special launch tournament prize. I really hope that they can keep the prize money close to that much for the following years, because like I said, you can see how much it affects everything. So fingers crossed, knock on wood, let's hope we still get a million dollars um, a uh, million dollar prize pool uh, or at least a million dollar prize for first next year <laughs> uh, number two event of the year for me uh, I have to give an award to I don't, I don't want to call it the the, 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 the the little engine that could but uh, I had no surprise that it was this amazing and that is going to be blink respawn <laughs> 2023 this happened close to the end of the year this was at the dominican republic and i will tell you i've been to game over in the dominican republic in the past and uh the dominican republic crowd is absolutely insane like that crowd is the hypest crowd that you will ever experience 
And having been there firsthand, I just know how absolutely insane it was. And so this year, when like Jeremy and Logan were commentating grand finals and you could hear the audience screaming through the commentary mics and you could just see how hype everyone was going. After that happened, all everybody could talk about was how amazing offline was. You know, it really brought that offline conversation back into the fore uh, with just how hype and amazing and just electric the, uh, the, the, the crowd was. Uh, Machinex, so I did not go to Blink Respawn 2023. I was only able to watch it. Uh, so I can't tell you how different it was, but just like I said, nothing about it surprises me that if it was even bigger than when I was there. I mean, when me and David were there a long time ago before the pandemic, we could barely hear ourselves commentate. Like I would say stuff, David would say stuff, and we could barely hear each other with our headsets on. It was absolutely insane. But not only was it a super hype tournament, they ran it really well. Uh, they had a lot of the wonderful talent there. Rob TV did a great job emceeing the uh, the event, et cetera, et cetera. It was just, uh, it was really, really, really awesome to see uh, what they did with that event and how, again, how much the Dominican Republic is like, yeah, uh, let's really invest in this because, uh, you know, what Mena RD has brought to the country, uh, honestly. So uh, great job to the Blink Respawn crew, really, really making us all want to go back to offline and of course, number one on the events of the year list. Uh, I know in the past we've said, <laughs> we've wanted to call this category the non-Evo event of the year because it's almost kind of unfair, but you know, with the fact that you know Evo was kind of in flux during the pandemic with the change of leaderships and stuff, and none of us were really sure what the future of Evo was going to be. Well, you know what? Rick Thayer took over and uh, he has definitely kept it alive and in fact maybe even made it better than it ever has been before. Evo this year was one of the most fantastic events that I have ever experienced. It was just electric. And yes, the top six was a little sad. Hopefully that's something that they'll reconsider next year to go back to top eight. But just the fact that it was jam-packed with content, it had streams for everything. You could see every fighting game on stream at one point. They even moved the, 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 the side tournaments closer to everything else. It wasn't across the ballroom anymore. It had the most ridiculous, ridiculous artist alley. It had the most ridiculous free play arcade uh, section. Uh, it had so much content over there. You could play so many new things at EVO and just as a person being there, it was such uh, an exciting and it was an electric event. You know, one of the things that, you know, people have often criticized EVO for is that EVO is now more convention than fighting game event. Well, yeah, because one of the biggest criticisms of EVO in the past was there was not enough to do. <laughs> you would go, and if you went as a spectator, you, if you weren't playing, there wasn't much to do. There wasn't much to buy and stuff. So, like, 
Uh, yeah, full-blown arcade. Yeah, everything. Classic, not just fighting games. Not just fighting games. Uh, but yeah, the, uh, the fact that, you know, now when you go to Evo, you almost will miss a lot of stuff. You know, they brought back the arcade joystick museum. There's all these vendors showing off cool stuff. There was the indie section where you could play the countless indie fighting games that are coming out. Uh, it's just there's so much to do there that it's actually easy to miss things now. And that is the sign of a good growing event. But that's just the event, the games, the matches. Oh, yeah, all the, all the extra content, like Seth Killian interviewing Mena. Yeah, stuff like that, especially just because Seth is just, like, one of the greatest interviewers ever, honestly. But, you know, uh, just being able to have all of that and so much stuff to do. And then, on top of that, having some of the greatest matches ever, you know. Obviously, a lot of people criticize Evo for having a bizarre amount of mirror matches in Grand Finals. Hey, what are you going to do, man? Uh, strong characters are strong, right? Uh, top tier going to top tier. Uh, but again, the, just the quality of matches, the fact that we had players from all over the world, the fact that we had Varix from Senegal getting sixth place at Guilty Gear Strive, tied for fifth, I should say, for Guilty Gear Strive. We had a representative from Senegal. We had a winner. We had winners from, you know, if you look at the top three of every game, we represented so many different countries at EVO, and that was fantastic. So, you know, again, shout-outs to Rick Thayer. And, of course, you know, Rick, a.k.a. the Hado, you know, can't do it alone. There is such a strong, dedicated staff at Evo, you know, with guys like Andres and Rachel and Reina and, you know, Kat and just, just, I can't even name them all, but there's so many people uh, with their hands on this and the fact that it even runs even remotely as smoothly <laughs> as it does. Shout outs to Tenno, the production, the stage was awesome and everything. And that moment during the grand finals of Street Fighter VI when we, everyone had their flashlights up for the uh for the grand finals oh what a moment what a moment dude oh yeah exactly uh bearberry just mentioned it on the chat that's so funny <laughs> it was amazing and so evo gets the event of 2023 and uh we'll see what happens this year uh, in 2024 with all the events but um yeah, so that's the first block of uh, awards I have here. Uh, if you're watching this on Twitch, don't go anywhere. The rest are coming up. But for those of you on YouTube, just keep an eye out. The next ones are going to come out. The next three will come out uh, tomorrow uh, if you are just watching this on release. But otherwise, go ahead and try. You can just check you know, youtube.com slash TV for the rest of the parts. There will be four of them in total. So uh, keep an eye out for those and check out who I awarded all the other categories like FGC Member of the Year, Fighting Game of the Year, and uh, other such categories. But uh, for those of you on YouTube, thank you for watching this first segment of the Ultra Chen TV Awards for 2023. And uh, the day that this podcast graced your ears was the most important day of your life. But for me... It was Tuesday...
everybody, welcome to a brand new year of It Was Tuesday. It is 2024, and of course, we kick off the year as with tradition with the Ultra Chen TV Awards. And so we're doing this for the uh, for the past year of 2023. Uh, if you've missed the first episode, I've already gone through story of the year, newcomer of the year, and event of the year. And so we're going to be moving on right away here with commentator of the year and so this is uh the people that i believe have done just amazing jobs with their commentary uh this past year now uh you know obviously as the as the fgc goes we are family and you know while we celebrate you know the successes and the amazing accomplishments of many people uh, unfortunately, this episode does have to start off on a little bit of a sad note here. And uh, this one here, I really just wanted to put out there because, you know, as a commentator, maybe lesser people know. But uh, again, I wanted to give this uh, number three to Nanai from Japan. For those of you who don't know, Ryoma Nanai Ono uh went to evo this year he had been commentating street fighter league for a very very long time and after returning from home from evo uh he suffered a heart problem and unfortunately uh nanai passed away uh in the summer immediately after evo and uh he had been doing great work for street fighter league japan and so, you know, I know that this is posthumous and, and it always sucks to award someone posthumously because, you know, we need to give each other more love, you know, actually in person and such. But, uh, you know, this he was young, man. None of us really had any idea. I mean, it's just he was young. Like, there's just no way that any of us could have thought that this would happen. But... Just as a reminder to everybody, make sure that you give your fellow commentators and your fellow players and TOs and, 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 and content creators and everybody, you know, love whenever you can because time is short, man. Time is short. And so we want to make sure that we uh, appreciate each other while we are stall still here. Uh, this is Ryoma Ono, a.k.a. Nanai who is uh, who was a Street Fighter commentator for Japan for Street Fighter League. Um, so yeah, it's posthumously, uh, shout outs to Nanai and I uh, hope you know you continue to commentate matches for everybody, you know, uh, up above uh, for everybody's enjoyment. So all right so number two commentator of the year this is a commentator i have given the award he's been on my top three list before but i really feel like this year he's been stepping it up doing a lot of extra stuff doing a lot more analysis great content and one of my personal friends and one of my favorite people to commentate with honestly and that is ringe uh ringe has just been a fantastic commentator for so long and he has just been doing some amazing work and now 
Now, the reason why I've put him back on this list, I've had him on the list before, uh, but the reason why I put him back on this list is that he is doing some crazy analysis work and he is creating some wonderful content, analyzing things and showing exactly, you know, why people are making decisions or how, you know, shocking things were or why this is a great strategy. Uh, he's really, really been putting out some wonderful, wonderful content for everybody. And like I said, he is absolutely one of my favorite people to commentate with. Uh, he is such a joy. He is always so full of energy. He is always full of positivity. And I mean, I'll tell you right now, if you, uh, for those commentators out there, if you haven't commented with him, it's like silky smooth, man. Like it's, you, you commentate with him and it's just, everything flows so well. And his hair is so beautiful. Let's face it. And it's, I mean, Ringe is such a wonderful person to add to this list that the Sky Chopper is flying overhead right now and trying to check out to see, you know, me awarding, giving this award to Ringe right now. Uh, but yeah, no, Ringe is honestly one of the greatest. And I still remember when I was at EVO, we didn't know who our commentary partners were for a lot of blocks. And I walked up to the table, to the, to the Guilty Gear table to do commentary and Ringe was already sitting there. And I was like, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I was so happy. <laughs> I was so happy to do commentary with Ringe at Evo, dude, like, because he is seriously one of the best. So shout outs to Ringe. And like I said, he's only up the game now with doing all the research that he's doing and all the analysts and analysis. He's been analyzing all of the Street Fighter League episodes. And again, you know, that kind of stuff is only going to make him stronger as it keeps going. So shout outs to Ringe. Uh, absolutely. He's my number two. So, you know, the question is, wow, then who do I put as number one? Me? No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. No, honestly, the crazy thing is this number one person has never been on any of my lists before. And uh, he's been commentating for a very, very, very long time. And I don't know how I've never put him on this list, but I have managed to commentate with him a lot on line and now offline and honestly I think he is probably my favorite Street Fighter 6 commentator right now at this very moment. Uh, I love listening to him. I think his analysis is so spot on. His humor is great. He works with everybody. He's I feel like he does does it all and that is of course Jammers <laughs> from the UK and honestly like I think he is the best Street Fighter VI commentator right now. Uh, I love the way he speaks. He's inspired me even to try to be better about learning move names, etc. Uh, I the, when I work with him, it's just an absolute joy. Him and F Word on Street Fighter League EU have been absolutely hilarious. Uh, it's been so much fun listening to him. Uh, if you guys are not as familiar with Jammers, you should be. Uh, this guy is so talented. He's so knowledgeable. Uh, I mean, and it helps that, you know, in Street Fighter V, he was a master poison player. He knows all of the little subtleties here. He has such an advantage over a lot of other commentators in the fact that he is so strong at the game. Now, in Street Fighter VI, he's been having a little difficulty finding the right character. He started with Manon. Everybody who started with Manon is struggling. <laughs> but um, uh, that Gandhi clip was not Jammers. That Gandhi clip was Logan and F-Word. Jammers is not on that clip. Uh, so again, Jammers has just been 
absolutely on fire recently. And I even told him that when we did the UK CPT recently. I, I literally told him, I was like, I think you are my favorite Street Fighter Six commentator right now. Because honestly, he, 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 it's, the, the talent is immense. And, and his explanations and how quick he is and how, how you know, uh, the way that he states things, the, the way that he even pronounces things, it's very easy to understand. It's very easy to grasp what it is that he's trying to explain. And he's also just so good at really selling the moment, honestly. So uh, I think Jammers is absolutely amazing. And so I am absolutely honored to give him this number one spot for commentator of the year, as well as completely blown away by the fact that it's taken me this long to, do, to, to even have him on the list. I, I, I'm almost mad at myself that it's taken this long uh, to get him onto this list. So uh, shout outs to Jammers. Uh, dude, tr like I said, Chad mode, Chad says in the chat, Jammers is the only commentator that knows every move name in the game. He's upped my game. I don't know if you noticed, but this last weekend, I was calling things more by their names and more by what their names mean. So for example, for JP, instead of calling things ghosts, I kept calling things the boogeyman. And, uh, and then Jeremy started doing it too, because I told him the reason. The reason I kept calling it the Boogeyman instead of uh, that is because the actual name of the move is Torbalon. And what Torbalon is, is actually a mythical Boogeyman in Russian, uh, in Russian culture, uh, like Baba Yaga, basically. You know, he's basically a thing that you use to scare children. He literally kidnaps bad children and takes them away. <laughs> And so he's literally like Russia's boogeyman. And so I've been calling things boogeyman. You know, I've been trying to pay more attention. I can tell you that, you know, uh, JP's level two is called Lavushka now. And it's all because of Jammers. He's really inspired me to, to be better about that. And, you know, he's really, uh, you know, getting me to up my own game, which is really important. I mean, as a commentator, you could never stop improving. You could never stop improving. And you want to take what you can from everybody. You don't want to imitate anybody, but you can take the things that work with you that you can apply to yourself. And that's one of the things that I think Jammers does. So uh, honestly, Ringe, really inspiring on the research. Jammers, really inspiring on the knowledge, the matchup knowledge, as well as, you know, just the actual in-game knowledge. So uh, really shout outs to Jammers. Really, really, really happy uh, for, for his success. And I hope to see him more often and see him do even bigger events. If I'm not mistaken, it was him and Ultra David for the final block of Capcom Cup this last year. And I think that's great. I think that's great. I would love to see Jammers do more uh, big events because honestly, I think he's the best Street Fighter Six commentator at this point. And so we're continuing uh, trying to give the awards to individuals this year. If you haven't caught the theme of this category, we're going from commentator of the year to content creator of the year. Now, I'm going to say this uh, really quick. Uh, I am a horrible person, a horrible, horrible human being, because as a content creator, I don't <laughs> consume other people's content enough. 
Uh, I really don't. It's probably one of the reasons why my content is not so strong is that I should be watching other contents and getting ideas, etc., etc. Um, so uh, this is content creator of the year. So it's it's harder for me to be, you know, uh, subjective. It's harder for me to be subjective like I am with a lot of the other categories uh, because I don't watch enough, right? And we'll get to that when I talk about this a little bit. But number three, <laughs> number three, and this one is a little subjective because I'm so happy. And yeah, actually, Machinex Soul, that's another problem. There's a lot of content creators out there. It's so hard to pick one out right now. But uh, I actually have in number three right now because... You, I, I will never get enough of one fellow by the name of Mike Ross. I'm going to give it to Versus Vortex because I love seeing some Mike Ross back in action. And him and Sien together, I think, are a match made in heaven. <laughs> Honestly, uh, Sien and Mike, the content they've been creating, the clips that they've been putting out on YouTube, and the way that they... I mean, I have... the. the the way that Sien and Mike are actually gelling with each other, like the way Mike is just laughing, like every episode, like it's, it just warms my heart to see he's genuinely having fun on there. And it's so, so great. Yeah, exactly. Like the, the, the Mike feeling himself, Sien shooting him down, et cetera, et cetera. Like there's just the, the dynamic between those two is so good. And Sien, he's always been that kind of really sharp, clever, sarcastic guy that will catch you even though he doesn't look like he has that kind of streak in him. But the way that him and Mike are, uh, are, are playing off of each other, honestly, one of my absolute favorite pairings. Uh, their, their uh, what is that word? What is the word? Chemistry. Their chemistry is flawless, honestly. I love it to death. I love it to death. Every time I see their clips on Twitter, I, I always have to reply to it and make a comment just because it's just like, it's so fun. It's so fun to see. And again, for me in particular, I just love seeing that joy back on Mike Ross's face because that, you know, nobody deserves to have that joy more than Mike Ross, honestly. Uh, so I'm, I'm ecstatic to see that. So good job to the Versus Vortex crew. And uh, number two, uh, there are a lot of wonderful content creators out there, you know, doing stuff like, you know, the Brian F's and the Sage Ams and such. And obviously Sage Am, Brian F was my content creator last year of the year last year at number one. Sage Am, I've given it to him in the past as well. There's a lot of people who have been kind of joining in the mix and really kind of stepping up. And uh, for number two, uh, I think everybody kind of agrees that, uh, whoops, where is, there is his name. Uh, everybody agrees that Diaphone has been one of the most important content creators we have who has stepped up recently and really introducing 
a lot of people to the community. I mean, I was looking through his content recently and like his latest content has almost 100,000 views on there. You know, he has 56K views, 72K views and all 66K views and all these are like the lowest views that he has on one of his videos here is just like 20K, dude, <laughs> just absolutely insane. And while obviously the views aren't everything, but there's a reason why uh you know it's going so well because he's making great content and it's appealing to people and it's been uh actually working for a lot of people so again as i said i'm a terrible person because i don't consume a lot of content i haven't had a chance to watch a lot of diaphone's content myself outside of his kimberly guides which i definitely watched uh <laughs> but um you know uh he has been killing it I've seen Brian F. talk about him. I've seen everybody talk about Diaphone and just uh, how wonderful that he has been contributing to the fighting game community. Yeah, it's Street Fighter, it's Guilty Gear, it's Grand Blue. He has every, oh, he's even put out pocket bravery content. That's awesome, see? So again, wonderful job to Diaphone. And I wish I could say more personally. So if Diaphone sees this, I'm sorry. I haven't watched enough of your content here, but, uh, just honestly, the fact that everybody keeps mentioning you and me just looking at your channel and seeing the stuff that you've been doing and looking at your Twitch and seeing the stuff that you're doing uh, is really important. So shout outs to Diaphone. Um, yeah, look at all the testimonials in the in the chat here. He's got variety, he's touched every game, puts out really straightforward, easy to understand things for newer players. Uh, he's really done a great job, so shout outs to him. And uh, number one on the content creator uh, of the year list, this is an interesting one, this is a tricky one, because this has never really been something that I considered content before. I would always give awards, and in fact, I have given awards to FGC member of the year, uh, you know, for this kind of work. But this is content because let's face it, after Spooky stopped doing NLBC, there was a huge, huge hole in the competitive fighting game online matches scene. And who would stand, st uh, step up to the task? And it was uh, Tong Never Sleeps. Uh, Tampa Never Sleeps, the whole crew over here, I'm gonna give because Tong was my number one FGC Con uh, member of the year this year it's the entire crew for tampa never sleeps because every time i want to do research on any fighting game they've got it covered if i want to watch some dnf they've got the dnf if i want to watch grand blue they've got the grand blue if i want samurai showdown they got the samurai showdown of course they're also doing the street fighter six they're always doing the marvel three like you cannot miss and they have filled the gap that has been so uh, that void that was left open by spooky stopping with the nlbc stuff and so Tong and his whole entire crew, Tampa Never Sleeps, because, you know, Tong will be the first person to tell you, like, dude, like, give credit to everybody else who is doing all this work. But really, what Tong created and has led to Tampa Never Sleeps, 
the, you go to their YouTube channel and it's just, it's a cornucopia of fighting games. It is the absolute, just everything is there. You will not be missing anything. Uh, and so if you want to watch any fighting game in any sort of way, uh, they're the ones to go to. Uh, they are the de facto go-to uh, actual match content creators. Uh, in the FGC right now. And I, I think that that's really, re yeah, they're playing KOF over there right now. Dude, that's so cool. That's so cool. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so um, let's, and now they're starting to try running offline events too. Uh, they actually did a Tampa Never Sleeps offline event. Uh, and I think they're going to do more. So shout outs to them for continuing to do this. They have really cemented themselves as the go-to place for fighting game events. If you want to play online events, they're the ones that you go and test yourself with. They are basically the new NLBC uh, when it comes to online gaming. So shout outs to the Tampa Never Sleeps crew. You guys are awesome. And uh, I hope to do more work with them in the future. In fact, I may be doing more work with them in the very near future. Hmm, maybe. But honestly, uh, Tampa Never Sleeps is great crew, great stuff. They've been killing it. So uh, shout outs to them. Um, let's see here. All right. So that's Content Creator of the Year. And so for FGC Member of the Year, this is like a weird one, but you know, there's obviously a lot of people out there who have all sorts of roles. This usually kind of goes to uh, TOs, but it also goes to uh, personalities, people who do a lot of very useful things out there, uh, people who are just, you know, making names for themselves in the fighting game community and doing a lot of wonderful things. And so uh, I like to try to do some weird stuff here, right? Like, and in content creator. Like, honestly, last year, content creator, I put Quasi Modox in that list at number three, which I'm kind of mad about because I, I should have saved him for this year because I feel like Quasi Modox as an artist has just been killing it this last year. Uh, the, the street, the, the fighting game characters doing mundane tasks and Lily dual wields everything have been like some of my favorite art content that I have seen from an artist in a long time. So honestly, uh, uh, honorable mention once again to Quasi Modox, uh, honestly. And, and Dropout says you could realistically give this a tongue as well. I did. <laughs> Last year, he was my number one, uh, FGC member of the year. Okay, so... <laughs> I try to spread the love a little bit. I try to spread the love a little bit. I know I should just give the award to who I genuinely think is the best, but, you know, again, I, I want to spread the love a little bit here. But number three is an interesting one here because number three, this type of person in the fighting game community, you would be surprised at how invaluable this type of person is. The, the role that they fill as a person who can get you the answers that you need. Uh, I'm giving this one, interestingly enough, to Hatson. Hatson FGC uh, on Twitter. If you guys don't know who Hatson is, uh, he works on, you know, uh, the, uh, he works on uh, the Frame Data app, uh, the uh, 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 FAT. So he works on FAT. But he also uh, digs down into the game and finds out why things happen and such. And for those of us who are really interested in labbing and the science and stuff like this, 
to have someone like this that you can repeatedly turn to, like myself, Javits, all these people were always like, wait, why did this happen? Hey, Hatson and tag Hatson to figure out what the heck is going on. Uh, honestly, uh, having somebody like that uh, is so valuable. Yeah, tool assisted, he was, she was one of them uh, previously, continuing the inside joke that David and I would always refer to tool assisted as she. Uh, and at one point in time, honorable mention to Gelatin Lab. Gelatin Lab also showed up and started doing a lot of that same role that Hatson did. Uh, unfortunately, Gelatin Lab took a break and has kind of disappeared uh, a little bit. So, oh, was it you who started that? Okay, fair. But uh, Hatson, I think, is invaluable. Every community needs a Hatson, honestly, uh, because he helps answer so many questions and gets us to understand why things happen internally in the game. Like a lot of times we'll see something happen in a match and we're like, why did this happen? And he'll go frame by frame, reproduce the situation, show you exactly why these two people pass through each other or how this move missed that hit. And people be like, my input was eaten or why did this move lose? And he'd be like, oh, well, I just tested it. And you see here, there's only three active frames on this jump attack. So even though his hand is still down, the hurt box I mean the hitbox went away and so it looks like you should have hit him but it's not actually there it said yes really good at correcting misinfo that is a great way and a succinct way to put it Peter 0611 Thank you very much. What a great way to, he's the one who, who he's like our Snopes. Hatson is the Snopes of the Street Fighter world. That is a great way to put it. He corrects everything and gives us the truth of why things happen. And having something like that is really, really invaluable. So there we go. Uh, number two. As uh, a person that, that probably has deserved this long, long, long ago. I've never had him in my top three list. But that was also because I was always bizarrely cruel to him. And uh, I would make fun of him all the time. And, you know, it was just one of those weird relationships that I had with him. And a few years back, I was just like, why am I like this? Why am I so mean to this guy? I mean, he does such wonderful things. And he does so much for the fighting fighting game community and such. You know, I really wanted to be uh, better about it, treat him with more respect because of what he uh, has been doing really, really well. Uh, and that is Mr. Alex Jabaley. Now, you know, nobody will tell you that he deserves an award more than Alex Jabaley. He even got a Canon Award this last year at EVO. It's not why I put him on the list. In fact, I only just remembered he got the Canon Award right now. But honestly, what Jabaley's been doing with all the different CEOs and what he does for DreamHack, continuing to not just give fighting games a presence at DreamHack, but fighting games a respectable presence at DreamHack. Uh, and he's been doing this for a long time and he's doing a lot more stuff than, you know, even just the things that we see. And like I said, you know, look, everybody can tell you Jabaley has an ego uh, the size of, yeah, exactly. Dropout says nobody loves Jabaley more than Jabaley. And I've made fun of him my whole life for that. I, I definitely personally as a person with uh, massive, massive imposter syndrome and a person who who is humble to a fault, you know, the people out there who are, you know, 
very proud of themselves. The people who are, you know, who do have an ego out there are people that generally have always kind of triggered this thing in me that I really dislike. And I ended up treating people who do have egos not fairly. And this is one of the things that I, I have learned in the past couple of years. And, and Jabali is a large reason why uh, that I've decided to mature myself on this. And, you know, honestly, there's nothing wrong with having, you know, a strong ego like this. You know, I've often said, like, cocky players should be cocky because that's what they need to win. But then I didn't see it in the same way for other roles and such. So, you know, I was always a little bit more, you know, I used to deride Jabali all the time. He even knows it. He's always like, one time he was like, this is the nicest thing James has ever said about me, like on stream and stuff like that. Uh, so I, I, I wanted to be a better person. I wanted to mature a little bit and not treat ego and confidence as this completely awful thing because the things that Jabali has done for the fighting game community since stepping up for the Florida scene is ridiculous and you know he's putting a lot of work out there and you guys don't know how difficult it is being in the position that he is you know with the Daytona stuff and a lot of people were going after him because CEO in Daytona and trust me he knows he doesn't feel he he's he's uh he's very sad about that and he's trying everything he can to fix that uh, you guys don't realize how hard it is to fix something like that from behind the scenes and how potentially expensive it is to fix something like that. Uh, so, yeah, um, he's a very egotistical guy, but at the same time, you know he cares. You know he cares about the FGC. You know he still wants the scene to grow. You know that he's trying to put on good shows for everybody and, and do what makes sense. And so I, I really wanted to give this award to him this year. And again, you know, if he ever sees this and he thinks, oh, you're just copying Evo, you're following their coattails. Honestly, when I put him on the list, I forgot that he got a Canon Award until literally I was just talking about it right now. This was just all me. I really, really wanted to put him on that list. Um, yeah, and exactly. At least he can back up that ego. He is very good at fighting games, right? He's an amazing fighting game player. He's putting on wonderful events. He's doing great stuff. So uh, honestly, shout outs to Jabali. And, and like people in the chat have said, he owns that ego. He knows he has it. And, uh, you know, it's not, he doesn't use it to put other people down. Right. That's the dangers of ego right there. He basically uses it to talk himself up. And so he's not being mean to other people. It is not a vindictive ego. It is not, you know, a hateful ego. It is a playful and uh, a deserved ego. So shout outs to Bailey. Uh, shout outs to Jabali. Uh, shout outs to him and all the things that he's done. Long overdue for him to get this award. So uh, shout outs to Jabali uh, for being such a valuable member for the fighting game community. And number one, I have this here just because uh, I've also been able to see this. Uh, oh, that's actually true. A lot of his bravado comes from the love of wrestling and the over-the-top personas in it. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, but yeah, you see like the Beyblade tournament and then like even just the artwork that he does, you know, with the Final Fantasy VII parodies at, at CEO Taku and stuff like that. He puts in a lot of work. He tries really hard. He's egotistical because he knows how much work he puts in himself. 
You know, it's not like he's egotistical and can't and just half-asses everything, right? So, anyways, enough stroking Jabali's ego. I'll stop now. What a cocky mofo. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, Shout-outs to Jabali. But number one I have here, and this is because I've been able to see a lot of this personally, and I've been seeing a lot of growth from this uh, person and doing a lot of great work and traveling a lot and just really kind of giving the FGC a lot of injection of personality. But then on the same side, I've been able to see a lot of his personal accomplishments and such. Uh, I'm giving this to Rob TV because he's not really a content creator anymore. He's not really a player anymore. He's just a dude in the FGC. <laughs> but again, he has been doing such wonderful work. The hosting jobs he's been doing at Gamers A, at Blink Respawn, the hosting duties and interviews that he does at Street Fighter League. He has an ability to connect with the players that I don't think a lot of other people do because he can connect with them on the professional player level. He can connect with them on the personality level and he connects with them on the friendship level, uh, et cetera, et cetera. He's been really, really stepping it up. And again, he's mo he moved himself to California to do all this. I see him every time we do one of these CPT events, the Blue Coast team has been training him to do, you know, things himself. You know, he's been adding to the, he's on the social media side of things. He's on the replay side of things. He's doing a lot of extra work. He's learning a lot of skills and talents. He's been able to host non-FGC things as well. And on top of that, like I said, I just, I see what he's doing. He just recently got his own apartment uh, he said this is the first time he's actually just got his own place to live like that. That's just his no roommates and stuff. And it's like, it's just really cool to see the kind of growth and the kind of upward movement this guy has. Uh, I'm really ecstatic for him and I'm really happy to see how he's been able to parlay this fighting game scene, this, this talent, the energy, the personality into something bigger and, and, and stronger. And I feel like he has a lot of uh, upward movement in his future, even if it means leaving the fighting game community and doing stuff that's bigger than that. You know, his, his, uh, his here's this music for the first time videos were going super viral because personality, man, it's just, it's all in that personality. So, uh, Honestly, uh, Rob TV, I've just been so happy to see what he's been able to accomplish, his upward movement, and just, you know, the, uh, the, the, the even the personal accomplishments for him, the stuff that you guys don't see, the, the stuff that he's doing behind the scenes, because, you know, that's the thing, is I see him all the time, and while I'll tell you what you see on camera is largely his personality, it's always good to be able to talk to somebody candidly and, you know, you know, seriously and stuff. And the more and more I talk to Rob TV and when we get into really deep conversations and stuff like that, you know, the more I am also just impressed by Rob TV as a as a person, as a human, as a, you know, guy out there who's just trying the best that he can to, to make it to make a name for himself. And I love to see the success that he's having. Like I said, one of the, my favorite things about the fighting game community is seeing the success that people have and how the fighting game community has given them that avenue for success. And seeing what Rob TV has done is, is so wonderful. So there you go.
So that is the individual accolades uh, categories here. Again, commentator of the year, con uh, content creator of the year, FTC member of the year. These are the uh, individuals and groups such as Tampa Never Sleeps, but more individual based awards here. So uh, in case you guys missed it, I already did one episode with story of the year, newcomer of the year, event of the year. Check YouTube for that. It should be up already. For those of you on Twitch, I'll be jumping to the next categories right after a quick break. But for those of you on YouTube, I uh, hope you enjoyed these awards. Uh, Match of the Year, Fighting Game of the Year, and Player of the Year are coming up in a video tomorrow if you are just watching this on release. Otherwise, go find those videos as well. Just check the channel, youtube.com slash TV, And then, of course, there will be one last category at the very end, which will be, unfortunately, Worst of the Year. But then also just random awards and then also me speaking my heart, having some personal FGC resolutions uh, to talk with you guys. So uh, that's about it for this episode here. That's for part two of the Ultra Chen TV Awards. And the day that this podcast graced your ears was the most important day of your life. But for me... It was Tuesday. Everybody, welcome to It Was Tuesday 2024. That's right, It Was Tuesday has been going on for a year now. Uh, Rebranded as It Was Tuesday at the last Ultra Chen Awards. And here we are, 2024, a year later. It Was Tuesday, still going strong. And we are going strong with some important categories here for the Ultra Chen TV Awards. Uh, a tradition that uh, we uh, used to do as the Ultra Chen TV crew uh, back in the days now that I just do solo because I'm by myself. But I hope you guys have still been enjoying the content with me all by my lonesome. Let's go ahead and get started right away. Let's talk about, uh, these are probably the big three categories over here, starting with match of the year. Um, these are basically matches that for me stood out uh, a lot and had a lot of significance as well. And uh, interestingly enough, I mean, obviously, I've been so inundated with Street Fighter VI this year. Uh, last year, I was so inundated with Strive that all three of my matches of the years were from Strive. And so this year, it was really hard to, to, to find matches for myself, personally, outside of Street Fighter VI, because Street Fighter VI dominated so much of my viewing, dominated so much of what I was watching and what I was paying attention to, etc., etc. However, I did get one match in here to sneak in here that wasn't a Street Fighter VI uh, match over here. It is back to Guilty gear strive and that's actually arc revo japan 2023 gobo versus mochi now for those of you who didn't know uh they had an arc revo japan where they had a bunch of players going at it uh for a big uh, grand tournament and gobo the ever so uh 
Very, very interested personality. Did I miss the eye? Oh my gosh, where's my eye in mochi? There you go. Uh, there you go. Uh, he, uh, Gobo, is the guy with the crazy facial expressions who'd used Gold Lewis, who used uh, Zato in the past. Uh, but <laughs> he uses Asuka now. Asuka, Asuka now. He uses Asuka now. Why can't I say this? He uses Asuka now. He uses Asuka now. And, uh, dude, if you guys don't know what Asuka plays like in Guilty Gear uh, Strive, he is basically RNG the monster. He's the one with the cards uh, that he can swap between sets. And you're, like, literally shuffling your deck all the time trying to find the cards. And then the cards come out at random. And so you got to make do with the cards that you have, etc., etc. It's so crazy and you know it's very clear that Asuka had the potential to be the best character in the game but he is so difficult to pilot and the reason why I have this in number three is because Gobo basically became the best Asuka player and not only that the way that he played them played them blew my mind because the way that Asuka works is he has three sets of cards. One is like the basic kind of bide your time, you know, build up. He's trying to build up to a win condition. He's trying to build up to have enough meter to be able to do a bunch of stuff, enough magic. So he has the, uh, you know, overall package that helps him. He has the weird package. Uh, and he has the, you know, just the absolute, just like crazy stuff package that's kind of strong, but you don't, but, you know, kind of interspersed with less strong stuff so it's really hard to, to play him properly it's really really crazy and yeah like honestly to get to that win condition was largely like putting together Exodia right a reference that I can barely understand because I don't know anything about Yu-Gi-Oh! Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh! but the thing that made it crazy though the thing that made it crazy and I think the thing that Arxis did not think about um, is that, uh, he has a super in which he can just sit there and cycle through cards with a maximum time limit. And so you have 30 cards in deck. He has three decks and the, and the third one, which is the crazy one with the scariest tools that are, but don't have a lot of the basic stuff to accompany with it as much, you know, uh, Whenever you use all 30 cards in a deck, you get the whole 30 card deck back, randomized, again. And so basically what happens was, is that in the deck, there are certain super powerful items in that third deck. The way Gobo played Asuka was that he would actually go to the third deck without building up necessarily the win condition, but he just repeatedly keep using that super in which he could basically mill his own cards and keep the good ones. And so instead of playing a deck where you would get the cool cards that you needed and have a few other things that you have to figure out how to get rid of, he just kept activating super and going, gone, 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 I need this, gone, gone, I need this, I need this, I need this, okay, here we go, four broken cards. Destroy you, blow you up, zone you, oh my god, this is terrifying, super. Mill, 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 all the cards are gone, back full deck again, mill, 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 okay, here's the scary card. And so he actually found a way to continually use the craziest craziest cards uh in the deck 
<laughs> and uh, it was so fascinating for me to watch. And I was just like, yo, he found a way to exploit this so much. <laughs> Holy crap. And it was crazy. And he had to come from loser's side. I believe Mochi was the one who sent him to loser's bracket in the first place. Uh, or was another soul player. But he came back in grand finals. Was able to win uh, both sets. And really, I mean, to the, to the dismay of many people in the chat. Because a lot of people were like, how is this character fair? Like, how is he not broken? This character so dumb. This character so dumb. But again, he's... Uh, he's not an easy character to pilot because the speed at which Gobo could cycle through those cards and actually stop and pick the ones that he wanted were pretty, pretty intense. So I, I'm giving him a lot of credit piloting this character and doing so, so well with him. And uh, again, I've had long, so like, you know, uh, the complexity is being able to use what you're given and knowing when to shuffle and use cards. If you really think he's just spamming, you really don't get the character. Uh, having talked to Dacid Bro, who was a very, uh, you know, he Ox, Asuka was a character he tried to use very hard. He was saying, he's like, sometimes you play this character and the set that you get, you're just like, it's like when you play an actual TCG, you're just like, really? And then you spend a card and you get something that you didn't need and you're like, really? Like, it can be an absolute nightmare. And the fact that Gobo was able to pilot this character in a way to continually get what he, to force himself to get what he needed all the time uh really was fascinating to me so uh that match like i saw that i wanted to analyze that match i just never got a chance to sit down and do that because i honestly just haven't streamed enough this past year uh but honestly i i when i saw it i was just like this is insane <laughs> and uh you know as miserable as it made everybody who went up against gobo it was fascinating to me and just a really interesting study in how to manipulate fighting game characters in a way that you know even the developers don't think of and that's one of the things my favorite thing about the character is that you know Arxis designed a character, and they do this constantly. They design characters, and honestly, they don't know the potential of the character. They really don't. They try their best to make sure, but, you know, when people, like Happy Chaos is a perfect example. Like, they design characters in a way for players to still be able to find their own things and really make it their own. Uh, I think that that's really, really cool. And so I really enjoyed watching that match. Uh, number two, and these are probably all going to start becoming a little more obvious here. Uh, I mean, obviously, Street Fighter VI at EVO was absolutely ridiculous, right? But while a lot of people would want to pick something like Angry Bird, Mena RD in Grand Finals as their match of the year or whatever like that, I still think... Uh, one of the most significant matches in that EVO top six was actually Tokido versus Kakeru. <laughs> and yes, actually, there you go. Anti-Mage called it out even before I said it. 
Uh, dude, that match was crazy. The ending was just absolutely wild. And, you know, Kakeru was the story at that point. Don't forget, he went to Gamers 8 and won right afterwards. JP and Kakeru were the, the talk of the town. And, uh, and nobody wanted JP to win. And everybody loves Tokido. And so, you know, not saying anything bad about Kakeru. I'm not trying to downplay Kakeru, but like... The fact that it ended the way it did with Kakiru with a setup that's supposed to work, but because it wasn't set up precisely, it was uh, kind of done on the fly. Uh, his overhead didn't combo into the spike. And you know, I should just bring up the video so you guys can actually see this here. Uh, so you guys can actually just see this uh, match. Uh, the way that it ended was absolutely brutal for Kakeru. And honestly, between that and his Angry Bird match, he had the two most brutal losses in the tournament. He had the absolute two most brutal losses in the tournament. And I actually have a lot of sympathy for this guy. To be able to come back and win Gamers 8 afterwards was so impressive here. But if we actually watch the very ending sequence over here, this is it. This is the final round here. So you have these two going up against each other. And uh, <coughs> Tokido's already come back from being down one to two. So the audience is already going nuts. He had a crazy comeback. And in fact, he had a crazy comeback in the previous game where he, all for intents and purposes, Tokido should have died. He was burnt out, down in a ton of life. And here he is again. Actually, it might be this round that I was thinking of. Like, look at this. This is like game over at this point. Tokido is, oh no, I'm sorry. It's Kakeru who's burned out. Sorry, never mind. This is not the situation that I was thinking of here. But here we go. We get the overhead here. Tokido almost kills him. This part right here is the crazy part. So Kakeru, so what he does is he manually sets this up over here. Okay. Spike, spike, and then he sets up a departure at some point. Here's the level two. So again, this is brutal right here. He gets hit by this whole thing. He sets this up and that right there, see? And this is the problem right here. He activated the level two raw like this. This is an unknown dis distance for him. This is an unknown distance, but he activates it in the perfect timing to catch Tokido out of this fireball punish counter, and he dashes up, and he set up a departure, right? So watch this. He spikes over here, spikes, Haruken counter over here, blam, like this. He dashes up, departure. He sets up a departure. This departure is the key right here, because then here comes the target combo, that was a reset into the overhead. He reset. That wasn't a true combo right there. Uh, uh, start of a new combo. Spike misses. The spike went diagonal instead of straight down. It missed. And that messed up his combo. He didn't combo his two jabs. Went to the ghost and Tokido mashes out a super. This is one of the most unfortunate endings that I have ever seen, but it changed the course of this entire tournament because do I think had Kakeru defeated Tokido that he might have won this tournament? I absolutely do.
I absolutely do, because he was on fire at this point. And sure, he lost to Angry Bird on the winner's side, but I feel like he would have had the ability to reset the bracket and take out Angry Bird. But that is a brutal loss right there. But of course, all the Tokido fans out there were so happy and so excited. Uh, obviously, Tokido is a fan favorite. And even Tokido with that bow. And just look at his reaction. He's like, I, yeah, I kind of got lucky. I kind of got lucky. So that right there, uh, to me, was one of the most important matches. Not only was it hype and just had the craziest ending with one just slight miscalculation, but it also affected the outcome of the tournament so much. Yeah, Kakaru's match, uh, Brian F. covered that very detailedly against Joshi. He could have just killed him. He had gone for the BNB, but he messed up his setup, etc., etc., uh, but there you go. That was, uh, that was for me, honestly, uh, one of the best uh, matches of the year. So I have that as number two here. And so like I said, you know, I know a lot of people probably would have figured that Angry Bird versus Mana RD for EVO Finals should have been, uh, should be the actual uh, best match from EVO. Uh, well, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I do have Kakaru versus... I, I do have Angry Bird versus Mena RD as the best match of the year. And again, you know, one, you know, we had beautiful things like this going on in the background. This was such a wonderful moment. 7,000 entrants coming down to the wire. I mean, look at that. That is just a shot. That is a shot to see right there. But it's not even just that this match is good. I, I think that that kind of undersells it a little bit of how good this match was. Uh, it's also the moment was amazing. Uh, but my favorite part of the match is honestly really, uh, and you know, this is why I love offline events so much. My favorite parts of these matches, I'm trying to see if I can find any of the clips here. Uh... Let me see if I can find... I probably should have wrote these down the first time uh, before I went into this. But there was uh, some times where when you saw the two players, like, they were just laughing and having a great time. Like, they were just like, uh, oh, gosh. Oh, yeah, here's a good example right here. Like, you see this, and they're just, like, playing, and, you know, they're talking, like, smile. Like, look at this. Like, I love this. I love this. Like that, you don't understand how much it meant for me to see that kind of interaction between the two players. Even at one point, uh, uh, even at one point, uh, Mena RD's controller dies. And Angry Bird was like, stop. And he just looked at him. He's like, play on. And they went and played on. And yes, that's against the rules. <laughs> It's supposed to be, you know, you take the round or whatever like that. But in that crucial point, time of moment right there, you know, the fact that they, you know, had this camaraderie, that they had this mutual respect. And, you know, the fact that at the end, Angry Bird taking it for the, for the UAE. And then you see Mena's reactions at the end of this, right? I mean, look at this, like... You see the tournament ends over here with a crouching medium kick. It's, you know, an innocuous crouching medium kick. And there it is. 
But the fact that Mena RD got up and just smiles and like he wants to congratulate Angry Bird, but he sees that Angry Bird is extremely emotional and already starting to tear up. And so Mena RD gives him his moment and the, until Angry Bird reaches out, then they hug and then, uh, you know, they have words here talking to each other. And Angry Bird is just so emotional, and you could see how much it hit him that he won Evo. And look at this, look at the sportsmanship from Mena RD, a man who has been there twice already, happy for his friend. And then, of course, you know, the the celebration here from Angry Bird. Like everything about this was just such a wonderful, wonderful moment. Uh just oh, what a great great match and it wasn't just because of the match itself but everything surrounding it as well uh honestly is what made this so great for me so uh once again you know shout outs to angry bird and men rd what a match what a great match and uh that's 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 number one of the year like it's hard not to it feels like the corny choice but like gosh it's just it's such a good match so <laughs> It's such a good match. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Anyways. Ah, all right. Whew. Gather myself. Gather myself here. Let's, uh, let's do this here. Fighting game of the year. This one's tough. This one was actually kind of hard for me in a weird way. Because honestly, I didn't really know what to put for number three. <laughs> it's been a very, very weird year. And I know a lot of people are going to side-eye me uh, very, very badly for my number three choice here. And that's because I'm going to give it a tie. I'm sorry. I'm tasty steving this right now. Uh, but number three, I'm giving to Street Fighter Five and Tekken 7. Uh, what a great way to end these years for these games. These games have lasted so long. Like these games really stood the test of time and, you know, uh, have really given us so much in terms of fighting games. Now, while Tekken 7 won't be over officially until just a few more weeks, a couple more weeks, you know, what Street Fighter V was able to give us at Capcom Cup 9 and all the years before that. And how long has Tekken 7 been a part of our community? <laughs> that game, we've been playing that game for like eight, nine years or something when it was just starting in the arcade and all these weird versions and Evo kept finding ways to get it into the lineup even though there wasn't any like uh, home versions and stuff. Tekken 7 has been around forever and at one point in time ruled the fighting game community. It was the number one game over Street Fighter V. It was closing out events. It had more entrance at events, more viewers at events. Tekken 7 was king of the fighting game community at one time and that's after Tekken had been languishing for quite some time and the fact that Tekken is still the only truly 3D fighting game out there right now alongside Soul Calibur 6. And in this next generation, we have no new VF. We have no new DOA. We have no new Soul Calibur. Tekken is like literally the only 3D game out there now. And it has just been carrying this torch for so long. 
And so, you know, it's really, really cool. Obviously, the TWT is happening, like, literally this weekend. Uh, but uh, And then we're all going to be transitioning over to Tekken 8 at that point. But Tekken 7 has done so much. What is it? Not this weekend? Or wait, which weekend is it? Uh, I may have had the days wrong. I may have had the days wrong. <laughs> oh, we're talking about something else. We're talking about something else. Got it. But in any case, uh, dude, TW, uh, Tekken 7 has done so much for the FGC. So much for the FGC. So I had to give it its uh, uh, some due here in its swan song year. Same for Street Fighter V. You know, and, and again, it's so <laughs> wonderful to see. And this is going to sound weird coming from me. But I love so much seeing all the... God, Street Fighter 6 is garbage. Street Fighter 5 is the game with the real footsies. Oh, joy. <laughs> you can't even understand the euphoria that I have hearing those kind of statements, man. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> because... You knew it was going to happen. And everybody was so down on Street Fighter V for so long. And now we're in that cycle. The circle is complete. Like Eroka says, man. It's the circle of fighting game life. Oh, it's so great. I love it. I love it. But again, Street Fighter V ended in a great position. It was really well done. And it was because of the battle team led by Nakayama and Matsumoto-san, right? They really managed to turn Street Fighter V. In fact, uh, I really have to give Amezier uh, a lot of credit for this one. But he wrote something uh, on one of those threads, say something nice about this game kind of threads. And uh, when I looked at his response to that, he was like, they put in a game with Rival School's air combos, Aegis Reflector, uh, what's its face? Uh, 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 Nadeshko. Uh, you know, he listed all these V triggers, Tengu Stone. He's like, they put, they made a fighting game with all of these mechanics, and yet somehow it was balanced. And seriously, that is such a true statement because, God, that game by the end was wild, dude. That game was like, there's parry, like Gil had parries. He had this retribution mechanic that was like, what? And like, dude, the game was crazy and yet somehow very, very balanced. And so again, Street Fighter V deserves a lot more praise than I think a lot of people are giving it uh, credit for. And like I said, I love seeing the, the, the circle complete of all the drive rush makes it no neutral. Street Fighter V is the true footsie game because how many people said that about Street Fighter V, right? This is not real. Button into V-Trigger is so stupid. This is Third Strike is the true neutral game. And I'm like, Third Strike, really? Actually, most people are saying Street Fighter IV because then the Street Fighter IV haters would say Street Fighter III. So that's that's the cycle. And, and it's just joyous to see. So in any case, I, I really am uh, happy for Street Fighter V and Tekken closing out in really, really wonderful ways. And I, I you know, hope that people continue to play these both of these games for a long time to come. Uh, I know that's not the case for a lot of these scenes. You know, I love the fact that uh, Strive and Exerd kind of coexist, for example, uh, but that's also to credit for people like uh, Pat the Flip keeping Exerd alive and such. But, you know, a lot of communities are good about playing their old versions of the game, right? And I really hope 
and Street Fighter V and Tekken 7 still maintain a little bit of life here. Uh, number two fighting game of the year. Uh, is it fair to give a game that came out literally like a few weeks ago? <laughs> fighting game of the year? Uh, into the list of fighting game of the year? I, I think so. I, I really, really do. And uh, Grand Blue Fantasy versus Rising, I feel like has surpassed expectations. When Grand Blue Fantasy versus came out, Everybody was like, this could be the next big thing. This is, it's a basic fighting game. Everybody can get into it. It's like your first anime game. This is really cool. Pandemic. And then it was like, well, we've got, oh, delay-based netcode. Ah, I've said no game has suffered more from the pandemic than Grand Blue Fantasy Versus. And to see Rising, I mean, what an appropriate name for the game. Rising, rising from the ashes like a phoenix from the, you know, phoenix from the flames here. Grand Blue Fantasy Versus has hit the ground running. People are loving this game. People are enjoying this game. I'm seeing a lot of hype. It's getting good views, etc., etc. A lot of people playing it. It's been really, really cool to see. And this game definitely deserves it. Because like I said, I have never seen a game get so, like, so unfairly ruined than Grand Blue Fantasy Versus thanks to, thanks to COVID, right? Uh, yeah, obviously, Sam Show got hit by it. You know, some of the old Undernights got hit by it and stuff. But Grand Blue was a new property backed by a big old company with the potential to do a lot of really cool things with an IP that is just ginormous around the world uh, from the mobile platform and stuff. And then it was just like, yeah. <laughs> and that was it. And so Grand Blue Fantasy Versus Rising coming out and not only has it really, uh, you know, uh, changed up itself in a lot of ways, as adding cool mechanics like the battle points and all the stuff, but the characters have gotten a little bit crazier, the game is a little wilder, and it isn't, doesn't feel like a, you know, quote, watered down anime game. Now it just feels like a, a, a pretty robust anime game at this point. So it's just, it's, I'm... Like for me personally, even though I haven't messed with it as much as I want to, we'll get to that in a future category. Uh, I am just like, again, for me being an, em an empath and me being an empathetic person, I'm so happy for the Grand Blue Fantasy versus fans out there. I'm so glad, I'm so happy for the Grand Blue Fantasy versus dev team. I'm so happy for everybody involved on this game that this game is actually coming out and doing some great numbers. And again, this game had all this one player content too before Street Fighter VI. It was supposed to come out and be the next big thing. And, and, and the pandemic really, really messed it up. And so again, I'm so happy to see this. I'm so happy to see this early success. I hope it continues. I hope people continue to support this game, including myself. I need to do better about supporting the game as well. I've just been so Street Fighter VI brained because I've been enjoying that game so much. But I need to do better about playing other fighting games. But I, I'm hope, 
I'm hoping it does well. The free version that's out there has actually, I think, been doing pretty decently. I think people are actually using the free version to, to, to actually get a hold of what the game is about a lot better. I know I use the free version and I went through a ton of stuff. I went through the entire tutorial for the game on the free version, which was actually really cool. And they just announced 2B coming out in the game. I mean, geez. <laughs> Uh, 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 that's gonna do well as well. So, uh, so I mean, it says in the chat, the Granblue team has an actual passion for fighting games. A lot of the Granblue mobile game staff love fighting games. Director and lead for Versus is a huge fighting game fan, and more importantly, loves the fans and wants a good product. So, there you go. That's that's really cool. And yeah, the free version is actually free. It just cycles which characters are available at the time. But, I mean, that's a good way to get people interested, right? And, you know, free-to-play models haven't had as much success in fighting games uh, in the past. But it seems like it's working because, you know, I see a lot of people. Giuna's always out there reminding people of the free versions out there. He's really pushing for the game because he's really enjoying it. And he's not the only one. I've seen so many people are like, dude, Granblue's a really good game. You should be playing this game. You should be playing this game. So... Really hope that, you know, more people get into it and the free version helps, I think. Oh, man. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, that's that's a good sign, though, uh, if the paid version has more players compared to the free version because maybe that means they're all being converted. <laughs> so, yeah, Scramble Fantasy versus Rising. Not, not even a month old. <laughs> Only existed for half of a month. <laughs> of 2023 is my number two fighting game of the year with no qualms, with no qualms. It 100% absolutely deserves that spot. And of course, number one is Street Fighter VI, right? I've already talked about it a lot in the newcomer of the year, but you know, the fact that Street Fighter VI came out and wasn't just a great fighting game, but is a great video game is, is the story of the tape here, right? Is, is the tale of the tape. You know, the, the world tour, the modern controls, the, the accessibility, the battle hub. Oh my God, let me tell you how much I love the battle hub. You know, a lot of people are mad that the costumes coming out are only for battle hub and world tour and stuff. But dude, like there's a lot of people in battle hub and battle hub is great. I love the battle hub. It's been my favorite way to play Street Fighter VI without question, uh, honestly. Uh, it was fighting game of the year at the Game Awards. Sure, that really doesn't mean anything, but still. Uh, <laughs> oh, take that, Game Awards. Uh, Ultra Gen TV Awards, more important. Uh, but, like, honestly, they did so many things right. Like, I, I mean, uh, it came out of the gate. People were loving the game. Obviously, as any fighting game does, as the meta really starts to define itself, people start to get mad at mechanics. But early on, I love the drive rush mechanic. It added, a, I mean, even though the game has input buffer like five, you know, there's a lot to the game that added a lot of execution requirements. Uh, you know, there was a lot of heart in the game because of the, the parry system and just more mechanics overall in general. Talked about how wonderful the frame meter is, you know, as I said, world tour, battle hub, these great modes. And then they put the fighting game, uh, they just put the fight, fighting, fighting hub, uh, not the fighting... <laughs> Why can't I remember what it's called? The Fighting Grounds. The Fighting Grounds, which was, which was hey, you guys want to play the games just via menus? Here, 
right? Like, they have all the crazy stuff, but then there's just that. I mean, I told the story one time in the Battle Hub. I was just running around after I finished the matches, and I ran to the DJ booth, and I started playing music just because. And then one guy was standing there, like, literally just standing there. And then all of a sudden, his avatar turned, ran up to the to the DJ booth, and he started headbanging like this. And then I finished playing, and we looked at each other and, like, gave each other fist bumps, and then we ran apart. And I was like, this is the greatest experience I've ever had. Like, this is the coolest thing. <laughs> like, that's the kind of experience I want. Like, I fought somebody with a 25. Like, we fought for like 30 matches in a row. And after we were done, we got off the cabinets and just bowed to each other, waved to each other and stuff. And it, it was just really cool to see that kind of relationship that you can do with, because of the avatars and stuff. But on top of all of that, I mean, yeah, the gameplay is great, but God, the character design. They actually made Blanca interesting, and I'm terrified by that. Uh, and all the new characters, like, I have not been this happy with a whole swath of new characters. Like, I think Marisa, Manon, uh, JP, Jamie, you know, I, Luke doesn't really count, but he kind of does. Kimberly, you know, like, all the new characters they've added to this game have been awesome. I think Aki is, like, uh, Aki is just, like, one of the coolest characters ever. Like, I, I'm surprised how much I ended up liking Aki uh, just as a character and personality. Because when I first saw her, I was like, oh, she's just going to be evil poison lady. Uh. But then the way they kind of turned her, you know, the, the weird relationship with Fong. But then also she kind of knows there's a little bit of Stockholm Syndrome. But she's also just kind of giddy at the same time and stuff. I don't know. And then the lore. Oh, my gosh. Like, the lore that they're going with the characters. I, I actually just want to do long videos about these kind of things. But they're doing some research and making sure the characters have have some really interesting references and stuff. So uh, I, I just, I love the character designs. And again, I love the fact that, you know, with the character designs too, they've broken the mold of fighting games, right? Manon and Marisa and Aki, like you can't mix them up. I've always said like, you know, if you've taken, you know, older games, if you took Mika, Karin and Kami and like, showed them from the neck down. Like, you can't tell the difference between uh, any of the characters if you gave them all the same outfit. Like, fighting game females in... Fi females in fighting games have been so boring for so long. And the fact that, you know, Aki and Marisa and Manon and Kimberly are all so distinct from each other, it just makes me so happy to see that they're actually taking the time, making sure that they're giving these characters more personality. The world tour, Cammy has a personality. What? <laughs> Cammy has a personality, dude. Like, honestly, it's what? <laughs> like, Zangief, that's why I love the suit outfit. They, they expanded it that he's actually loves to read and he's really intelligent and all this stuff. Like, they've just been doing so many good things for the lore of the game as well. Street Fighter VI as a fighting game is a wonderful package and the fact that it's actually made me care more about these characters that I've been using my entire life than I ever have before is crazy. I've been playing with some of these characters for 30 years and strangely enough this is the first time I'm like I dude the Dude, Honda's so happy. 
Suzuki, you know, like I love Honda in world tour mode and stuff. He's so encouraging and he's so happy, so positive, you know, and it's just really cool. So it's not even just the game itself. And it makes me want to play it more because, you know, it, it, it associates with a lot of the, the happier kind of things. I, I, it brings out a lot of the joy for me, the arcade style experiences in the battle hub. And I just enjoy the game so much right now. Uh, and I know a lot of people, I mean, there's just a lot of people out there like, we can't trust your opinion on six ever again because you're in the game, blah, 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 all this stuff, you know, I mean, you know, go ahead, go ahead and think I'm shilling. But I tell you, man, I cannot be more genuine with how much I am enjoying this game and how much I love Street Fighter Six and how proud I am to be included in this product, right? I mean, it could have just came out and I could have just went... <laughs> but it actually turned out to be something so amazing. So uh, I'm really, really happy with the game. And so there it is, fighting game of the year. Um, Street Fighter VI, to nobody's surprise. So, oh, All right, let's move to player of the year. And uh, this one will probably surprise people a little bit that uh, I have this player at number three. Um, but I have reasons. I have reasons. And uh, number three I have for player of the year is Angry Bird. <laughs> and the reason why everyone's going to be surprised, they're like, why isn't he number one? He won Evo. What? What? What are you doing? Um, no, honestly, uh, Angry Bird's accomplishment, obviously one of the greatest accomplishments, winning a 7,000-man tournament, being cementing himself as basically one of the best uh, players in Street Fighter VI in the world. And, you know, with him and Big Bird, I couldn't possibly be happier. I love seeing the success that these two players have, being the first really to make a name for the UAE scene out there and seeing Angry Bird's emotion and seeing how you know, uh, just strong he is and seeing the hard work paying off because, again, the birds are also two guys who they just stream their matches, like, constantly. You're seeing what they're doing. They're, they're taking the Daigo route. Daigo's basically showing you everything that they do, how they play. They're giving you everything out there. They're giving you all the blueprints to beat them, but that's what makes them stronger, right? So uh, it's just, it's so amazing to see what those two players have done. Uh, and, and I've always said a win for Angry Bird is a win for Big Bird. A win for Big Bird is a win for Angry Bird. Not that I'm associating them. It's not like that kind of thing. But it's just that these two have worked so hard and trained each other so well that, you know, they're proof that, you know, as long as you have two players who are willing to continue to improve, to continue to expose each other's weaknesses, to share, to give each other ideas on how to make the other guy beat you better. As long as two people work hard at making sure the other person can legit beat you, that's how you get to this point. That's how you get to the point where Angry Bird is going to win Evo, right? Uh, honestly, uh, Angry Bird, I cannot be happier for him. Uh, we saw that video uh, in the previous episode, just, you know, how emotional... No, actually, it was this episode. It was Match of the Year. We just saw a little bit earlier how emotional he got on winning. And so, you know, he's really at that point right now where he's basically one of the strongest in the world. And it's crazy to say that a lot of the strongest players in the world are not from Japan, 
right? We talk about Mena RD, we talk about Big Bird, and you know, it's crazy to, to, to see the parody that we have, but this is just how much these players have been pushing each other. So, you know, uh, shout outs to, uh, to Angry Bird. Uh, I'm so happy for him, and uh, I hope for continued success uh, from himself and Big Bird. So you can see it in Street Fighter League too right now. Angry Bird is like the rock on that Team Nasser, dude, honestly. Uh, it's crazy. It's absolutely nuts. Uh, but for number two, I do have Arslan Ash. Arslan Ash is my number two, and... The reason is, is because as we've talked about a little bit earlier with Tekken 7 and the legacy that it has, Arslan Ash has won four Evos total in Tekken 7 and two at Evo Worlds. So he's the first player to have ever done that. He's the only repeat Evo Tekken 7 champion, Evo Worlds champion, and, and... He won Evo Japan earlier in the year. In 2023, he won Evo Japan and he won Evo. If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure. I looked that up and I made sure. But I, I, to win both Evos in the same year and be a four-time Evo Tekken 7 champion is actually insane. So it's hard to say anybody's really had a stronger fighting game year than Arslan Ash, honestly. Uh, it's, it's an accomplishment that, you know, might never be replicated. Like, even if, well, I don't know. Obviously, he could do it for Tekken 8 if he continues with this. But obviously, there's going to be a lot of new blood coming in here. But as the scenes get bigger, if Tekken 8, in, it, you know, ends up drawing in larger audiences and a bigger player base... It's just like I said, as with the Street Fighter stuff, it gets harder and harder to be consistent. Not because the games are crazy, but because the talent is so good out there. Uh, so honestly, Arslan Ash uh, deserves all of the accolades and he is clearly uh, the greatest Tekken 7 player of all time, right? I, I don't think a lot of people would argue that. Like. Knee is obviously right there behind him, but with these wins that he has under his belt, he is probably just the greatest Tekken 7 player of all time. Even if he doesn't win the TWT finals, uh, I think he's, uh, I, I don't think he's really in a position where anybody can question it. Unless Knee wins TWT finals, <laughs> then maybe we start talking about Knee might be the only player that can uh, that can actually give him a fight for that. So, and so uh, my number one player of the year. Uh, look, I, I I talked about him earlier uh, on one of the previous episodes. Uh, Mena RD. I said one of the you know most important stories was him winning Capcom Cup a second time. That, that, I mean, that's a ridiculous accomplishment. That's a ridiculous accomplishment. And how does he follow it up? By being one of the strongest fighting game players in Street Fighter VI. A completely different game. And uh, even though, you know, he doesn't have his birdie anymore. He doesn't have his, you know, favorite in there. Uh, it's working out for him. He's one of the only character players doing the things that he does with Blanca. Uh, but, like I said, two-time Capcom Cup champion... Uh, that's just, I, you just didn't think it would happen in the Street Fighter V era. 
Everyone was too strong. There's just no way you would think anybody was going to repeat. And if you did see someone repeat, I don't think most people would have picked Mena RD as the one to do it. But it's funny because going into Capcom Cup 9, people were talking about Mena as like one of the favorites to take the tournament. He wasn't really in that conversation. People were talking about ending walkers and, you know, uh, and, you know a lot of the, the Japanese players and such, the Koanos, the Idoms, etc., the Punks, you know. And then Mena was like, hey, guys, I'm a Capcom Cup champion, and he wins it. And now, I swear, the level of play that he has is just beyond anything that I've seen in a long time. Uh, he's definitely cemented himself as one of the greatest Street Fighter players of all time. Obviously, it's only been one game, and now six, he's continuing it. It'd be interesting to see what happens when he goes play some old games. I'm sure he's good at them as well. But still, I mean, just in terms of the impact and the, 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 the accomplishments, I think, um, yeah, Mena RD. Like I said, I talked a lot about him already on how important he's been to his scene, to his country, to his friends, to his family, and just the, and you know, going out and winning FAV Cup with Kaba and Knuckledo recently. I mean, we really are in a position where we could say the best player in the world right now is from the Dominican Republic. And that is such a crazy thing because that is one of those against all odds things, right? I mean, when you're already starting in the Dominican Republic or maybe in one of the Latin American countries or I mean South American countries, you know, you're already starting from a deficit, right? You see the visa problems that a lot of players have. They aren't able to travel very well. How do you even afford traveling to there? Because I mean, a plane ticket that's affordable for us is so different for the citizens of the Dominican Republic, et cetera, et cetera to be able to get himself to that point where he traveled and then, you know, was able to win Capcom Cup, start sponsoring his teammates, et cetera, et cetera, really put DR on the map is, uh, is really, really important. So I think that's uh, uh, such a strong thing. I mean, you know, he's consistently loses to Kakeru in tournaments. Sure, but <laughs> he won <laughs> Capcom Cup, second place at EVO. You know, et cetera, et cetera. How do you, how do you argue? How do you argue with that? You know, and Kakeru has been struggling a little bit himself, you know. It's not necessarily just about whether you win or lose the people. It's just when you win, how you're winning, and where you're affecting everything as well. Uh, he is the second time Capcom Cup winner, and on top of that, runner-up at EVO, and on top of that, just been winning so many events and just being such a presence. And I think that that's a, a, a really, really, really powerful thing. And again, to be that consistent in this day and age uh, is absolutely insane, right? I mean, again, we've mentioned it. Tokido, Daigo, Kakeru, Bonchan... None of these guys are in Capcom Cup. Man, RD managed to make it. And, and remember, he went to the two offline events and finished top four in both of those events. Okay? So he went to the giant offline events and finished top four in both of those. Runner-up at EVO and winner of Capcom Cup. The guy's consistency is, is off the charts. So... Mana RD is my player of the year. <laughs> uh, so congratulations to these guys out here. Again, if you guys are watching this on YouTube, 
two other episodes uh, of the Ultra Chen TV Awards uh, before this one. Uh, and then another one coming out soon, if not already. So just check uh, youtube.com slash ultrachantv uh, to see all the latest, sort by latest videos. You should be able to see all of the Ultra Chen TV awards out there on the channel. So, uh, but that's it for this episode. This is the big one, obviously, match, fighting game, and player of the year. These are like the best actor, best director best actress film kind of things and so after this we're gonna get a little more introspective unfortunately we are gonna talk about the worst of the year i hate doing the bad stuff towards the end but it is what it is it just fit more with the other categories uh in in a division like this so uh if maybe next year i'll figure out a way to do it differently so that the worst of the year isn't at the end Oh, but in any case, thank you guys for tuning in and watching. Thank you guys for, uh, 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 you know, always supporting my content here on YouTube. Uh, for those of you on Twitch, see you in just a little bit. But for those of you on YouTube, the day that this podcast graced your ears was the most important day of your life. But for me... It was Tuesday... Everybody, welcome to It Was Tuesday with your host James Chen. It is the last episode of the Ultra Chen TV Awards for 2023, a tradition long time running here on this channel. Uh, and today, this is the this is the last episode, and unfortunately, we have to talk about things that I consider the worst of the year. Uh, but also a couple of other, you know, very personal things, some random stuff, because sometimes there's just no category for things that I want to talk about. And then, uh, like I said, some introspective personal resolution stuff that I want to talk about. But, uh, the next, the first category we have here is, uh, worst of the year. Worst of the year. <laughs> and uh, the first thing I'm going to put down for worst of the year. Oh, no, this is not the last three. This is just the last segment for today. Worst of the year. Street Fighter VI Zangief's Lariat. I have never seen this move this bad in my entire life. It's not good for anti-air. <laughs> It's not good for going through projectiles. It's not good for anything. It's one of his better combo enders, and it's not even good for that. I have, every time I sit here and I try to buff Zangief, honestly, all of my suggestions are on this move. Like, everything that I have suggested is always on this move. Zangief's Lariat is a staple tool that he has. Yes, even more than Green Hand. Uh, and a lot of people are saying, well, why do you need to Lariat through fireballs? Well, if you can actually Lariat through the fireballs, the fireball stays on the screen so the other guy can't throw a fireball. 
So you, if you parry the fireball, it goes away and it lets the other person shoot another fireball. So that's the power of the lariat. You would learn to lariat early, and they throw the fireball, and as soon as it passes through you, you would end the lariat, and you'd be able to move before they could throw another fireball. You can't do any of that stuff in this game. The lariat is horrible. Even after you block it, it's like has the recovery of like 10,000 knights and you just drive impacted for free. Like it's just, I, there's just, there's, it's so bad. It's so bad. It can't hit cross ups. It's not invincible to air attacks for the first like six, five frames. So if you use it at the last second, you still get hit by jump attacks. Not only that, his legs aren't in air involves. So if you have a character like Luke who punches low enough, he punches you in the legs before he can hit you because there's 15 frames of startup. He has a 15 frame startup anti-air. Why? 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 Oh my God, it's so bad. It is seriously so bad, and sure, OD Lariat exists, but man, that doesn't make up for the fact that regular Lariat is just absolute garbage. I have never seen this move this bad in my entire life. It just makes me super, super depressed. Oh man, all of my buffs are on the Zangief Lariat, man. Everything that I would do to fix Zangief is like on this one move, man, so. Oh, but that unfortunately is my only kind of uh, lighthearted, humorous uh, worst of the year. Uh, because from this point, it goes downhill real fast. Um, because number two, honestly, worst of the year, uh, someone in the chat actually called it Twitter, dude. The last episode... I had three chapters and I call them like Twitter sucks, Twitter really sucks. No, like Twitter just sucks. And honestly, Twitter had, yeah, X, whatever you want to call I refuse to call it X. Uh, it's just, it's so bad now. It's unusable, like the bot problem is horrible, but also that whole idea of, engagement farming to get impressions to earn money has really changed it so that it's even more about inciting people than it is about discussion anymore. Now people out there are just saying absolute inane shit just to get other people riled up for those uh, impressions and to try to make money on Twitter. But also, it's also really bad because I feel like the FGC just lives there, right? The FGC lives there. I, I said this last episode, the FGC has nowhere to go. Back in the days, whenever someone got into the fighting game community, they're like, yo, that, there's a whole scene out there. Where do I learn more? Go to shoryukin.com. And you would go there and you would find the forums and then you would start communicating with people. Nowadays, it's like, yo, this fighting game is cool. Where do I go learn about it? Well... You could split yourself amongst 700 discords or you can go to Twitter and like you go to Twitter and it's just horrible because that's where people go to vent. That's where people go to get get mad. That's where people, you know, sound really bitter about everything. And so uh, that's why a lot of people find that the FTC feels so negative. That's why they all feel it's it's like the negativity is such a problem. And uh 
and then it's just on top of that, like I said, it's just so unusable. It's a horrible platform. You can't get any accurate gauge of anything. Everybody uses the stupid For You tab. And so sure enough, all they do is throw out the tweets that do cause the most you know, engagement and stuff. And so most people, it's just a shock site now. You know, it's, it's awful. It's really, really awful. Oh, Super Combo GG Forbes. Uh, okay, I'll check those out. <laughs> I'll check those out. But I mean, we really are in a position right now where, you know, the main area of communication for the FGC is just so bad. And it's, I, I can't call it useless because it still does a lot of the things that it does. I still get the word out of events. That's how we spread things. I mean, a lot of what Twitter does still works. And so we're still forced to continue to use it uh, we have to keep using it, unfortunately, but it's just, it's so bad. The mo lack of moderation is such a problem on Twitter. Like, we just don't have the ability to stop a lot of the stupidity that actually happens. And yeah, and that's another good one. Anti-Mage talking about how the FTC history is being erased because you can't search anything on Twitter. All of the tech goes away, all of the information, all the wonderful discussions go away, and they're impossible to follow anyway uh, on Twitter. And so we're losing so much history on there, which is why like when the SRK forums were going away, there was such a strong push to preserve the forums, you know, preserve the threads because there's still a lot of great information on there. Even to this day, you can still find some wonderful posts on how do you use this character in Super Turbo, you know? Like you could find a bunch of wonderful things on there still. And on Twitter, it's just impossible. So yeah, <sighs> Twitter's really awful. Twitter is terrible, terrible, terrible. And I mean, the fact that Twitter is number two knows, means that you know number one has got to be something that's really awful and really, really uh, depressing and such because it's hard to get worse than Twitter. But uh, honestly, the worst of the year, uh, and I know this happens many years, but I don't know, this year it just seemed like it was, uh, I don't know, it felt more brutal this last year. Uh, and that's just uh, us losing people in the FTC. You know, we lost a lot of people in the FTC this last year, but, you know, uh, some very important people. Uh, I talked about Nanai earlier, uh, the, ja the Japanese commentator from uh, Street Fighter League. But, you know, a guy like Piano Densetsu, who lost his battle to cancer, um, Again, just he was like one of the kindest people on on the internets. Uh, he was one of the nicest streamers. He was just such a kind, kind person out there. Uh, and then uh, Lily, Lily Ko, uh, AKA Elko, um, uh, was a SoCal Marvel player um, who I was very, very close with. Um, she also lost her battle to cancer as well. And, uh, that was that one. I mean, she had cancer for quite some time. She knew she didn't have much longer to live, but you know, it's just, it's so brutal. And I mean, again, she was a wonderful person. She had been through so much and she made it out, you know, uh, of the other side of going through some horrible 
situations and then you know it's just like life was just like nope sorry you know and it just it kills me it it kills me because she deserved to be so happy she deserves so much happiness uh and yeah people in the chat already mentioning it but flow obviously i mean the thing that oh man this hit me so hard so on christmas and on new years i usually go through my texts and I text everybody a Happy New Year, and I text everybody a Merry Christmas. And as I scrolled through there, I ran into Flo's name. And that, I was just like, like seeing that just made it hurt all over again. Um, and that was brutal. So uh, Flo, I mean, absolutely was one of my favorite people you know, uh, there are few people, I mean, I talked about, you know, Mike Ross and Cien for Versus Vortex, but Mike Ross and Flo was another one of those just amazing personalities, you know, uh, mixing great chemistry when they did the Capcom Pro Talk. Uh, Flo, I mean, he was just the kindest person. He talked a lot of smack, but he knew to talk smack to his friends. It wasn't ever, you know, designed to be mean or cruel he was one of the kindest people he shared so much with everybody he gave a lot to a lot of people out there man he really uh spread the love and spread the wealth uh flow was a wonderful human being and so obviously losing flow uh you know hurt uh obviously losing all of these people hurt and i know i miss a bunch of them uh those are the ones of course that you know uh, hit me the most hard, um, but, you know, hopefully they're all in a better place. Hopefully they're all doing well, and it's just a reminder to do your best to say hello and say I love you to everybody that you know, to all your friends, to all your families. Do not, do not take advantage of the fact that they're still here right now. You know, make sure that you you uh, let them know why they're so important to you. So, yeah, that's what I have for worst of the year. Obviously, it's hard to get worse than that. So, uh, but I mean, honestly, to say that I, I miss so many of these people, like I said, uh, you know, Lily and Flo for me, Flo, Lily and Ari, Ari Weintraub, uh, two, two people I was very, very close with. To lose both of them is very difficult. So thank you, Nathan. Oh, thank you, Nathan, being such a nice little cuddle bug over here. But I know that's a little bit depressing, so let's actually move on to the random select uh, of the year where we can be a little more inane and a little bit more uh, completely random. This is where the awards just don't make any sense, and it's just whatever. I just want to talk about this kind of things and stuff like that. Uh, every year I try to put in one goofy thing that's actually about me. And so the random select of the year this year is, uh, my hair. <laughs> what is going on with this hair? Last year I got a cut right before Capcom Cup and I looked at all the pictures of myself before Capcom Cup and I was just like, I am not happy with that haircut so i'm going to let it rock this year for capcom cup and then i'll probably get it cut a little bit afterwards but i mean 
I had no idea. I, I haven't cut it for a year, obviously, since I cut it right before Capcom cut before. I had no idea my hair could actually get this long and continue to grow this long, but I, I kind of like it. I mean, you guys let me know. Do you, do you want me to keep the longer hair or should I cut it back to short hair, James, that was from a long time ago? Oh, thank you, Foo Foo Foo. Appreciate that. Uh, thank you. Appreciate that. You guys think I should cut? Do you like it with the long hair, or do you think you like it better with the short short hair at this point? So uh, keep it long, but try doing a style. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I'll probably. I mean, my intention is probably to cut it shorter, but still long, basically. So still longer, not like the buzz kind of thing that I used to do on the back and the sides. So. Um, yeah, basically kind of what I'm going to do. Cut it a little bit shorter and then let it grow out again. We'll see. We'll see what happens. So, uh, No, I don't think dreadlocks is going to work. But yeah, I had no idea that this hair could do this. And it's been a fascinating experience. Sometimes I look at pictures of myself from the FGC and I, I can't even recognize myself. <laughs> it's uh, been very, very weird. Uh, all right. So number two, random... Nathan is uh, not letting me move my mouse. He just sat on my mouse. Jesus. Uh, this is... Uh, uh, I just have to do this because this has been one of the coolest parts about the last year of sort of related to fighting games. But my second uh, random select of the year is that... Uh, dude, Zelina Vega is awesome. <laughs> AKA Miss Thea Trinidad, uh, Zelina Vega, who is one of the color commentators added to Street Fighter VI. Dude, she's awesome, dude. Like, I just started following her out of just like uh, fighting in Street Fighter VI commentator solidarity. But she actually turned out to be like the most wholesome human being ever. She's hilarious. She does these awesome skits where she like, you know, speaks in kid voice or like weird, like dude bro voice to other wrestlers just to troll them. Uh, she had the awesome jury cosplay uh, where she even did her critical art. Um, dude, and then my friend who watches WWE was like, hey, you want to watch some of her matches? And then like he pulled up some of her matches. Like she literally like body slammed someone off of a ladder, from the ladder, on a ladder. <laughs> onto another ladder. <laughs> it was the crazy, you have to look it up. It doesn't make any sense, like how does that work? But she did it, so she's not only just like uh, really, really funny. I mean, she has this really nice podcast that she's been doing and stuff, and you know, she's really a true gamer. She did a lot of stuff with the 10-0 crew back in the day as well. She's even come in and raided my stream a couple of times. She's actually just raided my stream and she's just like, hey, what's going on? Or she'll just jump in and say hi and gift a bunch of subs to me and stuff. Like, I'm just like, what? Like, you're, you're Selena Vega. You're like big WWE personality and I'm just whoever. And like, she's coming in here and saying hello to me and stuff. And yeah, she's really awesome. <laughs> I have not been more pleasantly surprised and happy uh, to see just how awesome she is. And they just had a WWE event in Puerto Rico and she's Puerto Rican. And dude, like that, that, those clips right there where the audience is just cheering for her and seeing the kind of emotion that ran over her and just the tears flowing and just 
how much that meant to her and stuff. You know, it's just, man, again, it's just like the, the wholesomeness. The wholesomeness <laughs> is crazy. Yeah, I've never been part of the crazy wrestling and fighting game crossover, but I get it now. I get it. And seriously, shout outs to uh, Thea. Thea Trinidad, of course, that's what you'll see her as in Street Fighter VI, uh, a.k.a. Zelina Vega. But shout outs to her. She's she's awesome, dude. She's She's, like I said, it's just what a wonderful person. What a good human being. <laughs> Uh, she's just been wonderful and learning more and more about her is just is really cool is really really cool um all right so number one uh this is gonna be weird because this has nothing to do with fighting games this just has nothing to do with fighting games at all whatsoever and i this probably should have been on the worst of the year but because it's not fighting game related i don't have it over there but this is completely out of left field, but that's what Random Select of the Year Award is. And so my number one is Fuck AI, dude. Like, oh my God. Like I, oh my God. I am so pissed off at all the stupid shit that this is doing, dude. Honestly, like, dude, that the Wacom put out an ad thing that that used ARR the Wacom tablet put out AI art <laughs> hello you know that when they did that Red Bull Kumite in South Africa they actually you at first used AI art for all the players like ugh. like humanity the soul the my empath my empathic nature Everything about me is about connecting to another human being, you know, and, and the fact that we are now go, I mean, there was, oh, what was the example? There was some news site that was just posting out just absolute AI garbage just to get people to click on things. And it's just, we're losing so much of the humanity of the human race. And I, I hate everything about it. I hate, hate, hate everything about what we're using AI for. There's obviously a lot of good that AI could have been used for, like, you know, analyzing, you know, patterns to figure out who's more susceptible to certain types of cancers, etc. There's like analyzing traffic patterns to figure out solutions, how to solve these things. There are a lot of great uses, but why is it every time we come up with something like this, we use it for the absolute worst thing possible? Dude, I think it was like Rip who retweeted a, a super famous Twitch streamer uh, model, uh, what is that, Amaranth, right? Uh, and she apparently just tweeted out a picture of herself as AI art. <laughs> she, it wasn't even actually a photo of her. They just posted AI art of her. And it's like, what the hell? What, what the hell, dude? Come on. Like, now we can't even have, like, it's just like, it's so bad. Like, are we really all that lazy? And the way that I always say it is that, you know, everyone who's pro AI art really are people who they just, they're so angry and bitter that other people have talent because they don't think that talent is actually something you learn. 
Everybody thinks that all these people who know how to draw are so lucky they were born with the artist gene. And yet when you look at every artist, their first drawings are terrible. They're horrible. And it takes a lot for them to learn and understand. They don't see the years that go into it. And so because they think all these other people cheated the system by being born with talent, they think that it's fair for them to bypass that and steal other people's work and pass it off as their own talent. Oh, I'm the one who puts in the prompts. You can't create this like I can because I'm skilled at creating the prompts. No, you aren't. You're skilled at telling the computer how to steal. That's all you're skilled at doing, man. There's nothing skillful. There's no talent to that at all. <laughs> like, seriously, just... Like, understand that it takes a lot of work. If you want to be able to create art like other people, you can start learning right now. Go start taking some art classes, man. Like, learn art the real way. It's, I freaking hate, hate, hate what AI is doing. And it's spreading to all these things. You can't trust anything anymore. Someone else had a wonderful tweet that I just retweeted. Now, every time you see art, you have to spend a second or two going, is this AI? You can't just see an art and be like, this is beautiful, someone created this. We're getting to the point where AI is mimicking people's voices. You can't trust quotes anymore. There's just, you, it's turning, it's horrible. It's horrible. Like it is turning the world into an absolute shit show, honestly. So. Like, I just, we need to have more regulations. We can't stop it, but we need better regulations and, and really to us. I mean, dude, ChatGPT just tried to file a lawsuit that it's okay for them to break copyrights. They were just trying to fight for a law that they have the ability to break copyright, but nobody else can because they need it to power their thing. So they're just trying to basically get the ability to steal legitimately. And it's like... Oh, dude, right. So many artists are so frustrated with AI, they might quit. Someone actually put up, uh, was doing a work in progress on stream, got like 80% of the way through, but hadn't finished it. And then someone took that art that they showed on stream, fed it into an AI to finish it so that they could get their own version of that art that they were enjoying from the artist. Like how fucked up is that? How fucked up is that? Honestly, like it's so stupid. Like, oh, I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> I hate it so much. And uh, God, if, I, if there's anything that I could try to stop right now, it's all this stupid AI nonsense out there. I just, I, I, I hate it so much. I hate it so, so much. Oh. <sighs> Oh, anyways, I can talk about this forever, so I'll stop now, so. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, very random, very random. But let's actually get to the personal fighting game resolutions of the year. Let's get to the personal uh, resolutions. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, there's really no way to stop it. The best that we can do now is try to introduce the legislation to prevent that people from stealing, basically, to make it so that there are repercussions for stealing people's art 
for for you know or to pass off AI art as anything but AI art. Like if you make AI art, it has to be by law, like shown that like how you have to put hashtag ad on Twitter's stuff when you're paid to tweet something. Like it's actually required by law that you're supposed to do that. That all AI art has to be at least like flagged or you know, nobody can display it without saying that it's AI art or something like that. Oh, okay, anyway. Personal fighting game resolutions. I, I, I hinted at this already. I hinted at this already. Um, but unfortunately, uh, one of the bad things about Street Fighter VI coming out this year and me enjoying it so much is that I just haven't played anything else. I haven't messed with Johnny in Guilty Gear at all. I just took him to training mode. I've barely touched Grand Blue, and I really need to be better about that. I need to play more of the fighting games. I need to keep myself diverse. I need to understand all the other games so I can do a Texas showdown of commentating eight different games in the weekend or a first attack of commentating seven games during the weekend. Uh, the, the streaming is hard there. The streaming does make it hard because I feel like every time I play fighting games, I should be streaming. Uh, that does make it a little bit hard. Uh, but I, I mean, honestly, why aren't I like, why aren't I streaming myself learning more Grand Blue and stuff like that? It's kind of weird. I've just been bad about streaming again, again, every year because it's just, uh, uh, it's just uh, it's the ADHD. I'm trying. I'm still trying to work on fixing that. I know I talked about it last year, uh, the ADHD problems. But uh, I'm working on it. Uh, unfortunately, during the holidays, this holiday season, I ran out of my prescription on certain things, and I can kind of feel it now. Like this last couple of weeks, I've just been like, man, why do I feel so unmotivated? I'm like, are these ADHD meds really not just working at all? And then I re I remembered I haven't been taking ADHD meds for like. <laughs> two weeks because I ran out and the, my doctor went on vacation and I hasn't been able to I haven't been able to contact him again to get a refill uh so yeah uh uh you know hopefully I can get that actually fixed again yeah and and I enjoy streaming and learning and stuff like that so I need to work on just playing more fighting games again getting back into the other games and not being only focused on Street Fighter 6, but goddamn Street Fighter 6 is so fun. Like getting Zangief to Masters was a blast, dude. I was just having a grand old time doing that. You know, that sounds like it should be pain and suffering and misery, but I really enjoyed getting him to Masters. And and speaking of getting Zangief to Masters, uh, my my second resolution, and this is completely in conflict with number three, <laughs> Uh, but I want to get more characters to master. I've gotten Kimberly to master. I got Zangief to master. And kind of in the same way, you know, how Ringe is doing a lot of the research, you know, one of the things that makes a player like Sajam so strong at commentaries, he gets everybody to master. He knows all the intricate details about a lot of the characters. I've actually gotten a lot better about it with six than I uh, was even in five, but that's just because at five, at one point, there just was too many characters. It's so hard. 
But, you know, with Street Fighter VI, with the different point systems for every character, getting as many characters as I can to master will really help me learn the characters uh, as much as possible. And actually, Transcend and Factory Worker 1, Kami and Aki are the next two characters I'm going to try to do that with. Uh, honestly, so uh, Cami is probably the next one I'm going to try because there should be no reason why my Cami is so bad. <laughs> so I want to see if I can learn how to use her better. Uh, but then Aki, for sure, I want to get her uh, into uh, Master just also so I can do better at teaching, uh, at giving Faye some more advice on how to use Aki as well, because that way I have more knowledge of the character as well. I've been inspired by watching guys like Broski and all the crazy things that he does with Aki because it's so cool. Uh, but yeah, Kami Chun is another one I really want to uh, because uh, I think she's fun and I think she'd be my favorite top tier character to use. Uh, so Chun might be another one that I really, really want to get into, so. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't ran another Shoryuken in a long time. Apologies to Investigation Cone. Uh, I know I should put that down in here as, uh, as a uh, personal resolution. I don't know. Maybe it kind of ties in with number one a little bit uh, in a way. So, yeah, I told you. I told you, Necromancy Black. It's in contrast. It contradicts number three which is I need to play other fighting games. And then the other one is I want to play as much six as possible. I've already said, I said that like literally I said that they are in contrast with each other, but I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Cause I, I just really enjoy six and I shouldn't take that away from myself. So I'll figure out a way to do it. I'll figure out a way to do it. And I still need to get master in TGM too. So I still need to, it's so weird. It's like, I don't stream, but then every time I do stream, I feel like I don't have enough time to stream all the stuff I want to stream. If I could learn to stream more consistently, I wonder if I can actually get through half the things that I want to get through. Uh, yep, <laughs> stream more and sleep and eat less. That's the idea. I mean, currently I've been obsessed with playing a game right now that I've been playing off stream because I just don't want people spoiling the game. Uh, a puzzle game called The Witness. I've just been like completely stuck on it. I can't stop playing it. Oh man, but you know, that at least shows me that I can play games offline. I just have to learn to do that to get through some of these one player games. Uh, but number one, number one uh, FGC resolution this year is really to try to up my content game. Uh, I was really surprised last year. I felt like I did a really decent job with the channel. Uh, I hit some videos that got a lot of uh, views. I, I, I was consistent with putting content out every week. Every time I don't put content out for a week, it actually hurts really badly. And so, you know, I've been getting consistently around like, you know, 2K views on my average videos, which is actually pr not bad. I mean, to be able to say you're on YouTube and getting two, two uh, you know, uh, 2,000 views is it's not easy. That's a very difficult thing. But, you know, I see guys like the Diaphones and the Kizzy Ks and the Broskis and stuff. And, you know, they're getting average 10,000 to 15,000 to 20,000 views on their videos. And, you know, the guys getting the 100,000 sub, you know, awards from YouTube, et cetera, et cetera. I, I, I really... Um, 
I really want to see if I can get to that point. Um, I mean, the Ultra Chen kind of is my own brand image. It's weird. I, that's another problem is that Ultra Chen TV and Chenzor Dynasty really conflict with each other right now. It's hard to be very consistent. The problem is Ultra Chen has built up a large audience and it has a history, but Chenzor Dynasty is more based off of me personally. So I'm start I'm having trouble figuring out which way to go. But see, that's the interesting thing, Necromancy Black, is a lot of these guys aren't even that clickbaity, right? Like diaphones aren't even really that clickbaity when you look at his stuff. I used to think it was the long form content, but like I said, that late latest video that Diaphone put up, where is my mouse cursor? Here is my mouse cursor. Uh, he has a like he has a two hour video that has fifty six k views. Like it's crazy. Like obviously, it's, I just have to do better with the content game, making it for. Uh, people that are interested. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I need to do more like uh, fixed content. All of this stuff, the, the Tuesday show stuff that I put up, you know, I, I, I need to get uh, like an editor to help me do this part so I can work on other stuff. And so my first attack 2023, which I started in the middle of the year when Street Fighter 6 came out and then just kind of tapered off again. Uh, I'm going to get back onto that. Uh, shout outs to uh, Elgato for getting me a teleprompter, which is uh, going to be very, very uh, helpful uh, for me on making those. So, um, but yeah, I, I, I want to do better. I want to do better. I want to make better content. I want to up my content game because YouTube content is, is, is how you make your life, your living. Like Twitch streaming is possible, but it really does come from the YouTube stuff. I mean, you know, if you have that many views on every video that you put out, if you have 20K, 30K, 40K, 50K from every video you put out, you can live a pretty sustainable life. And I think that that's uh, really, really important. Don't you even dare, Doc Helmet. Don't you even dare. <laughs> Don't you even dare. Um, but yeah, I need, I mean, again, I feel like the content that I create here right now with this kind of discussion is unique. And I think it's very good content because nobody discusses things the way that I do. Uh, but hopefully, uh, I can do better and we'll see what I can do. So, uh, we'll see what I can do, but, uh, that's also going to come with continuing to work on my ADHD meds continuing to work on that and trying to do better uh, anti-ADHD practices and stuff like that. So we'll see how it goes, but that's the goal. I really got to do this. I really got to up my content game. And I don't know, maybe I'll start streaming and then putting up all of my Road to Masters with each character. Because I wonder if my Zangief footage actually would have been enjoyed. People watching me do stupid double drive rush in the 720s and stuff like that. And maybe people can actually get uh, lessons off of that. I, maybe I need to find an editor to actually uh, trim those down to the key matches as well. So... We'll see how it goes but you know if i can actually get to that point it would be very nice so okay uh so that's the ultra chen tv awards for 2023 again uh last year on worst of the year i i literally had a category that was just this year 
because 2022 I thought was awful because that's when the big horrible sewage flood happened at the end of the year and then just all these other small little stupid things happen. Had no idea it was going to bleed all the way through 2023 and make 2023 probably the toughest year of my life and just have all these other things that kept happening during 2023 that just kept making it worse and worse. And so I didn't want to back to back put this year as, you know, one of the worst ofs. But honestly, 2023 has been brutal for me. And so huh, knock on wood, I can only hope 2024 is better. Uh, I really, really hope that this stupid flood thing can get resolved with the city. Uh, really would be nice to see the pandemic actually start to go down a little bit. Uh, in case uh, you guys don't know, JNV doesn't, uh, doesn't seem to know or missed all of my streams about it. Uh, our underground parking garage for our condo complex got flooded by biohazardous category three biohazardous waste from the sewer pipes of the city because there was a clog in the city. It flooded the underground parking, but unfortunately the room that I rent out to a roommate, uh, to my tenant, Olaf, uh, is down there. So it got completely damaged and destroyed by the flood. Uh, the city was like, oops, sorry, that's our bad. Just fix it and we'll reimburse you. Um, and then I was like, cool. So my roommate had to move out for six months. So I lost six months of rent from him. I spent a ton of money fixing the room, paying a water restoration company, going into debt against that water re restoration company, telling them I'll owe them as soon as I get the money from the insurance or back from the city, spent all my own money to fix the flooring, to do all these other things into it. And then once I got that all taken care of, uh, the city was like, no, actually it wasn't our fault. It's the lateral lines of your complex. Those are individual responsibility, not our fault. And so they basically said I was getting no money to f get all my money back from everything that I spent. Uh, the insurance company, then I, then I started, I, I hired a lawyer to go after with a lawsuit against the city. Uh, the insurance company was like, wow, this water restoration company is charging too much. We're only giving you a fraction to cover parts of the water restoration company. Uh, but there's no leftover for me because they were like, you're suing them. So maybe you'll get the money from there. So here's just this tiny bit of money to give the money to the water restoration company, the water restoration company hounded me for months because I still owed them money. Eventually my lawyer talked to them and now that they have a lien on the case. So if we win money, they automatically get paid back. But the city also lags on everything. So even though I talked to the lawyer over a year ago, uh, we're still in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> the, 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 uh, and we're just sitting here waiting for the city to actually respond to respond to us basically and they they have every right to just take as long as they can because they want to just hope you give up after a while so basically in the last year i have spent a ton of money fixing everything and i have not received a single penny back 
So I, I, I have, that's why I couldn't make combo breakers, first combo breaker I've missed in forever. I couldn't make CEO, first CEO I've missed in forever because I couldn't afford to fly out to any of these events. I've had to borrow money from friends, which I've already well overexpended past. Uh, so basically I've just been uh, like penny pinching to the best of my ability. And that's the thing is I don't wanna set up a GoFundMe. Like that's just stupid. Like I just, I don't, I can't do it. It's like, this doesn't make any sense to get a GoFundMe because if I set one up, if I actually get anything from the city, I'd pay everybody back. And it's like, it's just, it's not, it's not what I want. Uh, to do. I don't want to put this burden on the community out there, which is why I haven't really talked about it all that much very publicly either. Uh, but it has been brutal this past year. It has been very, very, very difficult. I have had so many friends, you know, basically charity, you know, pay for meals for me or like, we'll go do something fun and they're like, we'll cover your tickets and stuff. And it's just like, it feels awful, man. I tell you, it feels awful, awful, awful. Uh, I hate being this kind of position where I have to rely on other people's kindness, you know, for these kind of things. So uh, it's a tough situation, but, you know, hopefully we'll see what happens with the, uh, with the lawyer in the city, you know. Um, uh, yep, it does typical for governments to drag out cases as long as possible, yep. And that's what I'm doing, so. So that's the situation that I'm in. It's been very, very difficult for me. That's why I never played MK1. I can't afford to buy MK1. That's why, uh, you know, when Grand Blue Fantasy Versus, I first started streaming, I streamed the free version. And then I found out uh, their PR company actually just sent me a code. Anyway, before I even asked for it, it was just in my email. So I got a chance to play it, but it's one of the reasons why, you know, like I've, I, I haven't been able to partake in a lot of things. Like I just, like I haven't been able to procure a free copy of MK. Oh man. That's why I can barely buy costumes. Someone actually donated me money to buy MK and like, they were like, you don't have to buy MK. And I was just like, God damn it, I need this money for other things. And so I actually just didn't buy MK. It's, it's a tough situation, man. So, and that's the thing, stream more, get that streaming box. It's, it's hard, it's a lot of work. Uh, but that's why I've got to up my content game this year. So, uh, but yeah, that'll be it for now. Um, uh, I mean, I have a donation link too. If you guys really want to donate, uh, outside of a GoFundMe, that works too. The donations, I think, take away the least amount of, take the least cut uh, out of that kind of thing. So it, again, that's options there. But like I said, I just, I don't, I feel bad about it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to rely on viewers all the time for, you know, cat surgeries and, and ergonomic chairs and, 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 and sewage disasters and stuff. I just feel bad about it. So, uh, but again, I, I can't stop you guys and uh, I won't stop you guys. So if you guys want to just donate, you can always uh, do that as well. Uh, you can find the donate link on my Jay Chenzor streams. So uh, in any case, uh, that's all I have for today. So uh, thank you guys once again, for those of you who do support and continue to watch on YouTube. I really, really appreciate it very much. 
So uh, that's the Ultra Chen 2023 awards and a little bit of my retrospective on how my 2023 has been, which hasn't been great. Uh, but hopefully next year it gets better and I think everything will be great. Uh, so thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, do you prefer we sub here or at the Jay Chandler channel? Either works. I get the money the same way. So, uh, it's, it's either neither here nor there. I guess maybe the Jay Chandler one because, uh, that's the one I'll be streaming on more. So the more subs I have on there, the more impressive it looks, I guess. Uh, but, uh, I have had some online tournaments, but there's like seven bazillion online tournaments these days, Slice Boo. It's like, there's no room for them anymore, man. <laughs> uh, sure you can scrimmage is probably the best one that I have, which I should probably do. Uh, but in any case, uh, thank you guys for tuning in. For those of you guys on YouTube, thank you for the support. Uh, leave comments down below to see what kind of content you'd like me to stream all of 2024. And uh, I, I appreciate that very, very much. But uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for the support as always. Let's make this 2024 a great one. And uh, I mean, obviously for you guys, it's already great. Because the day that this podcast graced your ears was the most important day of your life. But for me. It was Tuesday.